0: is upon us it's time to dig in to stand our ground and watch for the next attack you're in the foxhole with jason Buck. hey all you truth warriors out there welcome back to the foxhole uh it's where we stand our ground and watch for the enemy's next move we got an interesting topic for you tonight that just got brought to my attention And uh, I got the most excellent... uh, Oh, by the way, I'm Jason Barker, your host, as always. We have MJ Nichols. You may know him from the David Knight chat as MJ Nichols. And if you're on Rumble, which hopefully you're in the chat on Rumble so we could chit-chat during the show live. uh, But you know him as Way Cool Snoopy. Um, Also, we have Harlan Stonewall. was a a last-minute request for him to come on. And uh, hopefully he'll be jumping in here. I hope he's not having any kind of... Uh, connection issues, but we're going to be talking about um, some of the trucking industry stuff. And, you know, yeah, I know we got the war in Ukraine, right? War in Ukraine is going on and on and on. We threw all that money at it, and now it looks like it's uh, down the shithole. And so we move on to Israel. And I frankly just don't want to talk about that. I really don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what's important to my family. to putting food in my mouth, my family's mouth, uh, putting gas in my tank. Uh, going to work every day, you know, whatever we got to do on a daily basis, this stuff is going to get out of control. And uh, MJ brought some stuff to my attention the other day and I'm bringing it up on, uh, I'm not going to bring it on screen. I'm just bringing it up on my screen. Um, but this is something that's extremely serious and it could like, like triple the cost of everyday goods. You think toilet paper was a problem during COVID? Yeah. Wait till you can't find it and it costs $10 a roll. Because that what may be coming down uh, here in the near future. And uh, I guess without further ado, MJ, are you parked?
1: I know you remember. I am perfect per- I just shut her down. It's perfect timing.
0: <laughs> All right, so hey, let's start off by just introducing you. MJ, tell us about yourself a little bit what you do for a living and and who you are.
1: Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, MJ Nichols, uh, aka Mike Nichols, I am a uh, owner operator, trucker. I've uh, been an owner operator. Uh, better part of 30 some years uh, on and off here and there. I also drove company truck for a while. Um, my most recent uh, position is a, uh, I'm a leased operator uh, for a company that hauls bulk uh, agricultural products. So basically I'm under contract with them. I own the tractor. Uh, they provide the trailer. They do the billing and some of the back office kind of stuff. And uh, and I like it. I've been uh, at this now for going on six years, and uh, it's uh, it's a good gig. Um, originally, I'm from uh, rural Illinois. I've lived in rural areas all my life. I uh, currently live in Wisconsin, and uh, I primarily operate uh, in the uh, Midwest. I, oh, by the way, I, and I you know in in the truck I pull a, a bulk matic uh, tanker, so pretty much haul any sort of dry goods, um, flour wheat sugar rice that kind of stuff so wait uh, you
0: you said uh and we didn't talk about this earlier because we had a good conversation earlier today before you know uh when we were testing out the stream and stuff and i apologize if if mj's coming in a little uh crackly uh he is on the road and uh, trying to do audio only instead of video so that it streams a little better um but you said you're from rural illinois uh i didn't ask you where you were from because i was born in southern illinois
1: Oh, okay, well, no, I'm from rural northern Illinois. Illinois um, kind of uh, probably twenty five or yeah right about twenty five miles uh south, southeast of Rockford. Um, okay, so little bitty town sixty sixty five people I grew up in, and uh, yeah, it was all farms and and uh, you know pretty agricultural okay, well, really that's centered.
0: yeah, that's pretty small. I was born in Mount Vernon, which I is, know where uh, that
1: is. Yeah, right I mean, on so uh, fifty-seven.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, at fifty-seven and sixty-four, man. Yes, um, exactly. So, yeah, and uh, I was born there, but I grew up around Nashville. If you know where Pinckneyville is, uh, that's where yep. I went to high school. Uh, Ducoins, where they have the state, uh, the national car show, or the, the East car Valley. show. Yep, absolutely, big big deal. And they have the uh, the state fair there every year, which you're talking about agriculture, and that's where I got to see all the really high speed. Like you think your computers are high tech. Um, you haven't seen nothing until you've seen a combine from the 80s, early 90s. Those things had refrigerators, microwaves, cable TV. Uh, they already had satellite stuff going on. Amazing what these farmers and, – and it's unaffordable now, and we won't get into that tonight, but that's a whole other topic, how they're uh, putting farmers out of business. because Exactly. You know,
1: No, and I'm very familiar with that. My start in trucking began while I was in high school uh, working on a confinement uh, hog farm, you know, basically what we would call a factory farm today. But we had 2,000 acres of corn and beans. And so uh, definitely spent some time in a combine and four-wheel drives and et cetera.
0: Oh, it's so impressive. Uh, You know, people can literally, when you plant your stuff, from my understanding, with this new equipment, and I know this is way off topic, but it's fascinating to me um you can you can plot your your path gps wise when you plant and then when you go to harvest you can like get off of your tractor go home and eat lunch while your tractor is running
1: basically i think that's the case yeah
0: yeah go meet up with it and uh but, but the problem with that is you know and again not to get too far off topic but the problem with that is is these farmers have been pushed into that technology to make themselves profitable um but then now that's not providing jobs because it used to be you'd have a bunch of hired hands and stuff like that. And there's only so much that land.
1: that and oh, I would also interject that they, they've, they've lost control because all of that software, yeah. all of that technology is all licensed. So it's when you buy a John. Yeah, exactly. When you buy a John mm-hmm. Deere for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and something goes wrong, you don't own it. I mean, they own it. And so, yeah, they can brick that thing through the satellites if they want. It's uh, it's really got highly automated. And, oh, unfortunately, and that's, trucks have become that way, too. It's and, it's uh, moving that
0: way. And I do want to talk about that tonight with the trucks uh, yeah. if we get to that, if we get to that that far. But uh, it's starting to work its way down from that heavy industry into your personal automobile now. And David's talked about it. Uh, was, it uh, uh, was it EP Autos, Eric Peters? He's Eric talked Peters. about it how everything's going to be a rental like yeah you have heated seats you paid for the heated seats but if you want to use the heated seats you got to buy the subscription or they User can just shut it off the subscription later. correct and and they're correct. doing that Say. now look at look at your diesel trucks right now my my buddy bought a titan uh what is it is that a toyota or is that no it's a nissan, ah, nissan. i think that's a nissan yeah yeah a nissan titan big ass truck really nice truck uh too big to park to be honest with you <laughs> too big to park uh, I'd hate to go into a, a parking garage like at an airport with that thing. But right. He was deployed, and his wife was driving it around, and after she broke both mirrors off because she can't drive for shit. But you know, no hit on women. Just saying that <laughs> if right. she watches this, she's going to get a kick out of that comment because we joke around about it. But anyway, um, it, she the thing started saying something about DEF. I've ne- I'd never heard of DEF
1: oh yeah diesel. well it's a, your emission fluid is essentially what it is it's uh it's a urea based additive that uh, all diesels require that were manufactured after 2007. so the, the tail end of uh, the bush junior administration um whoops you weren't supposed to sorry about that um, yeah at the tail end of the administration they changed the epa it was uh Christy Todd-Whitman was the EPA administrator, and uh, she was in league with uh, Ed Markey and, uh, I think, Lisa Jackson and a bunch of them at the time. But they came up with this harebrained idea that uh, all diesels should have this urea-type death fluid to remove the particulate matter. And, uh, and basically, so all trucks manufactured after that date, uh, with, a, with an exception that I'll get to in a second. All trucks manufactured after that date are now required, all diesel trucks are required, whether it's a pickup truck or uh, a diesel semi, they're all required to have.
0: And, um, and it's absolutely an unnecessary thing because as we were talking earlier off air, um, the we were talking about the fuel cost of diesel and how it used to be half of gasoline, now it's double gasoline. And you said it's because the, the refinery pot process has gotten more complicated to re- remove that particulate matter. When exactly. Well, in
1: 2005, yeah. they, uh, they, they came out. See, it wasn't good enough for them. They, they demanded that everybody switch to ultra-low sulfur diesel. Right. And so right after they did that, I mean, they kind of let the waters set for a year or two years, and then they started harping about, you know, more particulate matter. So they're never satisfied. Eric Peters says that all the time, as does David Knight. They're never satisfied. Well,
0: it's also another choke point. And and exactly. uh, man, we're 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 so on a whole different topic, but it's still good stuff. Um, it's another choke point, because with a diesel engine, especially if I'm talking about an old mechanical injected diesel that really only requires the electronic system to start. So you could like push start the thing if you really needed to. Uh, it exactly. runs on its own. Uh, it will run on almost anything. Vegetable oil. Uh, I mean, you could get some lye and some uh, chicken fat and you make your own biodiesel. But without the DEF, the thing will knock itself down to 15 miles an hour using the computer system.
1: called derating, yes. Yeah, derating. Now, I've avoided that uh, both in my personal uh, vehicle. I have a uh, 2005 Duramax, so it's uh, pre-death or pre-emissions. And then in the semi, uh, I have a 2020 Freightliner, but it is what's called a glider. Uh, meaning that in 2020 I purchased a new truck, but I purchased just the truck without an engine, a transmission, or rear end. And then I you didn't. Have know do could do that? <laughs> you can't anymore. Uh, oh, 2020 wow. was the last year, which was the impetus for me to buy uh, this truck. She's called the Lisa Marie Three, uh, named after my late wife. Um, but yeah, so what I did is I I spec the truck just like I wanted, and then you buy a what you buy a remanufactured engine um so you still get you're, you're getting a new engine it's just it's a block from from a 1998 detroit engine that's been, it's been rebuilt manufactured yeah, it, okay. but it's not it's not rebuilt at you know in cooter's garage at, in hazard kentucky or whatever it's rebuilt at detroit you know so you're getting a factory warranty uh you're getting factory everything the glider rules though require that you know you can't buy a, an equipped vehicle unless it's uh, has the emission compliance so that's a way that you used it was what they call a loophole if you will um, that you used to be able to get around it because frankly they run a lot better they're, they're when they came out when the first emission semis came out a lot of guys it put a lot of guys out of business because all of those sensors and those uh, catalytic converters and, and special catalyst reduction systems and death all of that is very expensive the parts uh not always available, so you have a lot of downtime. And so you mm-hmm. had guys that were getting, you know, a twenty, thirty dollars 30000 repair bill. And if you're just an and owner you operator, know I, that's enough to sink you.
0: I was trying to get Tiger on tonight, but Tiger's got some stuff going on because he's on the repair side of this, and it kind of ties into what our topic will be, um, the lead time on some of those parts and the and the cost of some of those parts. And the, that cost, uh, you know, you're talking about just even normal maintenance stuff, you throw it in the shop, you expect it to be there for two days or whatever, and you might wait a month or three incredibly weeks. Or expensive. Yeah, inc- incredibly, incredibly expensive. Yeah. Incredibly expensive. Time consuming. And that gets passed off onto the consumer and the, the tick tax you buy and the M&Ms and all that. It gets added. That's an additive tax. Uh, but now that's not even sustainable. Uh, no. Based off of what, and let's, let's go ahead and just jump into it, man. I don't want to get too far off topic. I'm going to. No, absolutely. Uh, add, yeah, so you sent me this awesome article. Um, I wouldn't say it's awesome; it's kind of disconcerting, but
1: right. Uh, Freightways Freightways has a lot of great coverage. Um, you, if you, uh, you know, if you guys, you know, anybody listening stuff, if you listen to David Knight or watch David Knight, he, he pretty routinely will reference uh, an article in Freightwave when he's talking about.
0: Uh, I I had never noticed, man. But when you sent me this, understanding that I have people that i know and family that are in the trucking industry i know what the overhead costs are uh, right. not so much if you're a, a company driver and you know what before we start here um no we'll we'll start this and then we're going to pause and we're going to break down the same as you did for me earlier the difference between a company driver and owner operator and a lease guy um okay. but let's let's look at the problem at hand let's go ahead and throw that on the table so you got this uh, freight brokerage, and I and I'll have to pause here in a second. And show because I had to look this up. I didn't know what freight brokerage stuff was. I had no clue this existed uh, until you brought it to my uh, attention.
1: Oh, well, it, uh, it was you know, and it was an afterthought that I sent you that article. So I'm 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 really oh, no, glad this I is
0: did. this is hugely important because it affects every single thing. I mean, uh, the cost of a sheet of toilet paper is going to go up. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let me just kind of read it verbatim here. Uh, on Wednesday, Freight Waves, and I'm guessing that that's a company that does this. Uh, uh, it's report- a trade publication.
1: So it's... Okay, so
0: Convoy was the company.
1: Convoy uh, so- is the company that a lot right. of uh, of a lot of freelancers, if you will, independents would use in order to be matched up with a load. So let's say you haul a load to uh, Philadelphia. Oh, we'll, we'll get into, get into that in a
0: minute, man. We'll get okay. into that in a minute. Let me, let me put the problem out there first, and then you can explain uh, what this is. It's, it's quite fascinating to me, actually. Uh, anyway, it's winding. They said that, uh, so FreightWaves, the publication, said that Convoy, the company, was winding down operations early in the morning, and uh, they had liquidity issues, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole thing because uh, I'd rather just free talk it. Uh, but they ended up saying that the uh, they would fail on that same morning. So this is a company, and I guess this is a good time to talk about... Um, Maybe to understand what the difference is between an owner operator, somebody who would say, hey, I want to drive your freight from point A to point B. And this is going to be our contract versus somebody who says, I want to make, uh, you know, a dollar per mile driving for your company. And then then there's that in the middle, which this is what kind of is affected. And that's, believe it or not, has taken over a huge market share in our lifeblood of our economy, which is transportation to get goods Correct. from point A to point B. I mean, we've seen what's happened with the rail railroads in the last year, right? They're just derailing left and right. Infrastructure is exactly. broken. Um trucking is like the back uh, the backup uh, if it's not the main thing, it's at least the main backup. And we've seen this in the military even. If we wanted to go out to say NTC which is in Fort Irwin, California, and we wanted to ship all of our equipment out there. Well, maybe we didn't have enough cars on the train. So we would have to line haul and line hauling is expensive. I'll give you that. It's very expensive, especially the heavy stuff we have. And it takes a lot of fuel to get it there. Um, but there's always trucks available. Somebody out there willing to do it for the money. And that's what fills in that gap. So tell us the difference um, for the audience. What's the difference between a company guy that drives for, you know, 80 cents, a dollar a mile or whatever their going rate is, an owner operator. And then what you kind of do, which is somewhat kind of in the middle.
1: So, okay, yeah, a company guy, um, you know, if you you, uh, want to just get into the trucking field, uh, you can go to a large company. Um, Oftentimes, they'll pay, they'll train you and pay you, and then you work for that company. They own all the equipment. You are a W-2 employee, and uh, I think the going rate, you know, for uh, an over-the-road company driver right now that's not in a union is probably around... 50 to 60 cents a mile I'm guessing I've seen them a little higher is it that low Uh,
0: still
1: oh it's it's yeah it's it's incredibly low
0: with putting
1: it it in (laughs) right putting it into perspective when I started off my my first company driving job I think I made 17 cents a mile so uh, of course that was you know a while ago so that 17 cents now would be 50 cents or something but um yeah so Anyways, that's uh, pretty much what it is. You don't have any responsibility as far as, you know, paying for tires and fuel and repairs and things like that, but you do as the company tells you and, and you make, you know, you can make an okay living if you don't mind the hardships of uh, living on the road. A lot of guys don't like that, you know, so they choose uh, local routes, you know, a company that just hauls yeah. local, uh, you know, I knew Yellow. a lot of people that was like a company that did that, you know, and they just recently went bankrupt, but, uh, well, yeah, I know a lot, a lot of, of people
0: that did like a 24-hour, you know, where yep. they would they would be gone one day, come back the next day, then have a day off. And that was kind of like their thing, yeah.
1: Right. And so that's, a, you know, there's different, yeah, there's different variations of that. Um, if you want a little more autonomy, but you still want the, you know, you still want the protection of a large company, um or you know a, a, say not even a large company but a company that can leverage uh tires and fuel and things like that you know then you can do what they call as a leased operator which is actually what i am so i own the tractor i own the power unit but i don't own the trailer so i'm responsible for fuel and maintenance on the tractor but i'm not responsible for maintenance on the trailer or insurance on the trailer or upkeep or whatever um and the advantage is again is is uh they take care of the billing so i'm not waiting around for you know from somebody that i you know i'm not getting paid i get paid after i haul a load you know a week later no matter what you know And the company has their own collection if they need to you know utilize that um but you give up some autonomy excuse me by you know by agreeing to lease with them so in other words if their insurance carrier wants you to you know equip your truck like this or if you have to uh you know, sometimes they want a camera uh, that's installed. I've even seen, you know, some companies actually have a camera that not only faces forward, they have a v- camera that faces backward. And so it's watching you the whole time. It's very Orwellian. Um, but, yeah, so fortunately I don't have, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Have, but, have you run into any of these situations? Uh, and, and I talked to, uh, like I said, my my wife's cousin, Grace. She's an owner-operator. I really tried to get her on, but they're they're trying to make up because of this economy and and stuff, they're trying to make up for lost time and and get that money together. But they're they're straight up owner operators, and right. I asked so about they have those, their own authority, right? I asked her about cameras and shit. Uh, do they have cameras watching your eyes to see if you're falling asleep? I've heard about these stories.
1: So they do some of them.
0: Do you have that as a, as a lease person? Is that a possibility they might come invade your truck and like install cameras and stuff like looking at your face and seeing if you're touching things, uh, touching your CB radio or anything like that? Is that Well, a potentially
1: it's a possibility. I mean, they could say in order for us to renew your lease, we're going to require that you install, uh, you know, this uh, camera apparatus. Okay. And, um, I'm, again, I'm lucky. My company is, uh, is small, smaller, I should say, they're specialized and they're uh, they're more traditional. They're they're more old school. Um, they don't hire trainees. So if you look at like some of your big mega fleet carriers, you know, trucks, companies that have five, 10,000 trucks, Swift, Warner, J.B. Hunt, to name a few, um, they pretty much only hire drivers that they train. So they go out, they find rookies, they rush them through a school. You know, six, eight weeks later, they're with a the trainer and maybe they spend a few months with the trainer. Oftentimes the guy training them has only been at the job for, you know, maybe or in the vocation for three or four months himself. I mean, it's uh, oh, it's, wow. it's a mill. Like it's a, it, it is, blind. yeah, exactly. It is a, it's a mill and they have turnover rates in the trucking industry. I don't know if you were aware of this, but these big companies have a turnover rate. Oftentimes it exceeds a hundred percent. So they're losing Every driver in every truck, they're actually having more than one driver in that truck every year because they it's the the working conditions, the pay and the the disparity between what they promise the new recruits and what the new recruits actually experience is so, you know, so gas, so wide that that people wash out all the time. And it's called churn. And so they know what they're doing, you know, and they kind of incorporated that into their business model. You know, they don't pay those guys very well so they get to haul stuff for cheap rates um you know the big companies or big customers like that and there's a lot of companies that operate that way
0: well um, and that's what my my uh my wife's cousin was telling me last night when I talked to her for a couple hours um she said that actually they're utilizing a lot of these uh immigrants that come over here
1: oh you and, got H1 H1B H2B uh yeah, yeah. visa workers hundred bane of my existence i can't yeah, stand and, it yeah and
0: and she says they shove them like four to a cab and so they can keep that truck. They don't care about paying the people. They don't care about. Uh, they just care about having that truck running twenty four seven. To and get and they that know freight.
1: they know if they get somebody that's from you know uh, Somalia or something like that that they'll they'll be willing to do that. You know you could never do yeah, that with pennies even a dollar. Even a rookie American driver is not going to live at like you know
0: and, <laughs> two. And I'd be willing to track. That. I'd be willing to bet that if they pool their demographics and then they they go to uh, file their taxes for a larger company, they probably get a nice tax break or an incentive to do that.
1: Uh, I would imagine. I'm sure there's. Positive. I'm sure there is uh, tax credits and things that yeah. are buried in the Versily. code that that allow exactly that allow them to do that. And uh, you know, and unfortunately, trucking that's something that happens to trucking, but trucking not exclusively. I mean, you're looking at you've heard stories about how american workers are having to train their foreign replacements you know yeah. i mean the in and if they if they don't do it then they lose their severance or something like that so right, yeah right just,
0: they'll take away your it is your an
1: absolute yep. it is an absolute atrocity and i've seen the trucking industry and what's happened to it because of these demographic changes and that's only one part of the demographics the other part is is that millennials and uh, and whatever they call the other z generation or zoomers or whatever they don't want to do the jobs. I mean, they just don't. You know, they don't have.
0: They, oh, don't, no, have I'm get they don't want VDI. to work a nine
1: to five job. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, no.
0: UBI so, live in the metaverse. I show exactly. up and you know, pre- play pretend pool. And work it's anyway, paid let,
1: for. Yeah, let's get on so, to the
0: third because we got to get to the topic, brother.
1: Well um, the third is the third is is your most autonomous. And so if you later. really want mm-hmm. a straight up owner operator so what you have to do is you have to go and you have to apply to the government for your own authority. So you go to the DOT and you ask them for a uh, a DOT number and an MC number and you pay some filing fees, etc. and you will uh you'll get your own authority. You carry your own liability insurance which which can be pretty prohibitive if you're oh, yeah. uh, a brand new entrant, you know, you're You know, and that's one thing about being, I should mention that being a leased operator is you don't carry your own uh, cargo or general liability, just your bobtail liability. So you save, you know, I mean, I've heard a guy's paying 18, 20,000 bucks a year for liability insurance.
0: Real quick on that note, we were talking earlier um, before we go back to the owner operator, which is the most difficult. And that, that if you, if people out there listening would think about it, and I know we've been going on for a while about the differences, but it's important. Because right. they they've kind of pushed out the owner operator because it is so prohibitively expensive to get into it. I know my wife's cousin, um, they they run the uh, extra wide loads and the long loads, or the oversized right. loads. over
1: dimensional or over dimensional. There you go. Yeah,
0: they have to carry just on the chase truck alone, just on the truck that kind of goes and it has the big sign that says oversized load and it has the little yellow flashy lights. That's a million dollar policy on that truck, and that's a pickup like you or I would drive right and then it's a a two million dollar policy on the actual truck hauling the stuff and and they don't even own their own trailer the trailer is is loaned to them um which uh, they kind of got the benefit of the drop and go thing like you were talking about earlier right Uh, you know and uh but hey real quick harlan stonewall is in the uh, in the uh show with us now uh hey let's welcome him real quick harlan tell us about yourself brother
2: Hey Jason, thanks for inviting me. I'm sorry I got cowed up in the wrong time zone on my clock.
0: No, you're good, brother. Are you are you okay to talk for a little bit?
2: Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm good.
0: So uh, uh, MJ and I were talking. We haven't even really even gotten to the subject yet. The subject is this uh, the freight broker just going down um like a like a freaking Japanese uh, zero fighter with one wheel on it. If you know what that means Uh, and what that's going to mean to us. So what MJ was talking about now was the difference between, uh, you know, a company guy that drives for the company, um, somebody who does the lease operation where they own the tractor, but then they work for a company or, or they work for a brokerage firm, I guess you could say, that gives them. Or they bid on uh, you know, haul this freight here and there. Well, and then if you work the, for a,
1: if you work for a brokerage uh, directly, then you have to have your own authority. Um, so that's why that's that. where that right. comes in. Yeah, so you can't just lease to a brokerage. Uh, generally speaking, then you, 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 you know, a brokerage is not an asset based carrier. So a brokerage is essentially like the proverbial quintessential middleman. I mean, they line the broker has companies that need stuff to ship. And the brokerage has um, trucks that haul for the brokerage. And so they, they try to book a truck for the, you know, generally speaking, for the lowest price they can. But, you know, okay. the, spot oh. market has its own, the spot market has its own rates, you know. So that's the difference between a spot market when you're hauling, like, on a brokerage or on a load board. You're doing it on the spot market versus if you're with a company with a steady customer. Typically, that's done under a contract rate. And usually contracts are a year long.
0: Okay, uh, Harlan, you had something. Go ahead, man.
1: Yeah, I just, I just said, oh, really?
2: They they try to get it done for the cheapest. A lot of them does?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> <Yeah>. no way. <laughs> right,
1: right. Well, no, Harlan knows. By right the way, it's great, to, it's great. to talk, Great to meet you, Harlan. I've uh, I've been I've been listening to you on Saturday nights quite a bit for the last uh, month and a half or so since I found you guys, and uh, and it's always uh, it's always entertaining and informative. So uh, appreciate your, uh, your all your input.
2: Well, I I appreciate you listening. Um, I I like to first start out and say that, um, I've been driving for almost 25 years. I've done a little bit of everything. I've been leased on the companies. That's what they they was just explaining. I've had my own authority where you dealt with brokers, you know, directly. And, um, you know basically what it's coming down to with these brokers was man jason was speaking about earlier you know there's so much about the industry it's kind of hard to explain it you know in 30 minutes or an hour a couple hours but what my opinion is on what i think that's happening is you've got a lot of these brokerages that's um you know got fired up during the uh, pandemic some of maybe before some of you know um, during the pandemic and you know the collateral damage you know afterwards and now that freight is back down lower just like where a lot of these companies have started to go out of business and shed trucks and a lot of guys that bought trucks and gave way too much money didn't know what they was doing you know new people getting into business as um he was saying you know, a lot of the insurance is sky high for people that's just got the business, folks that, um, you know, hadn't been driving that long. And it was like we had like a rush of people that had never been in trucking, but they heard about it and went and got their authority and hard, uh, you know, drivers to drive their equipment. A lot of them, they didn't really know what was going on. Exactly. A lot of them it, that's exactly what's happened. You've also had a lot of these uh, programs uh, that, you know, but basically it seems like it's based on, you know, uh, these female small businesses them getting grants and different folks getting grants to help start these companies that didn't know anything about trucking, you know, at all or just a little bit or, you know, just hadn't been around that long. Now, a lot of those are weeding out, and I'm going to go out here and say a lot of the brokerages has too, especially now that freight has been contracted from, you know, the all-time highs. You know, in my opinion, it looks like it's been coming way down for the last year, year and a half. And Absolutely. that's what we're starting to see. And then, you know, here again, you take a lot of these and I'm not playing broker bash. I'm just giving, you know, the facts. A lot of brokers are crooks to begin with. And
1: that's just my opinion.
2: That's not even,
1: I'll echo that. I'll, I'll underscore and highlight and uh, put it in all caps. I mean, brokers have been ripping people off in this business since the eighties, since I got, I got into this business in 86. And so um, I mean, we had, uh, we had brokers, we'd work through They used to call it trip leasing back in the day and you'd trip lease to a broker out back of a truck stop. And you know, when it come time to get paid, they're, they're down the road at another truck stop and you're never going to see your money. And you know, they gotten a little better on that now. Cause a lot of them, they have to put up a bond and stuff, but try collecting it. You know, you got to go through a well, lot of hoops.
2: Let me tell you something that went, when I had my own authority for about five years, uh, you know, I just ran one truck. I had, you know, I always kept various different trailers. Uh, you know, I, I had a regular road tractor and a van and a step deck and, and a flatbed. And then I transitioned into hot shopping because what I was mainly hauling, I could haul on a gooseneck and a pickup. And that lasted, you know, not even about two years, and then you know everything started, you know, to change on it. And the place I was hauling at was having union problems, and I used the same broker mostly all the time. But luckily, <clears throat> I never did uh, have much problem about not getting paid. And <clears throat> in, in my own experience, I only not got paid on like five loads. Okay. And admittedly two of them was my fault. I had two parcels that I'd set the bills back in, in my permit book and I didn't, you know, pay attention to them about six months later. And when I called them up, they basically just one give me the run around, talk to this person, and the other one basically hung the up.
1: <laughs> right. And
2: to be honest with you, the other three loads uh, was through two different brokers. And the best I can remember, the one broker was done the famous double brokering on one of those loads, and because I called, you know, bullshit on that one, I didn't get paid on the other one. And you let's, know, let's explain you know,
1: that real quick, Harlan. Uh you just mentioned a key term, double brokering. So that's where a broker finds a load from another broker and then tries to sell it to you, the the lowly trucker, uh with the cut taken out. This, and depending this on like how some,
0: like downtown st louis drug dealing stuff oh it's you know? it's uh it's
1: it's a it's a game of money three card money or whatever it's yeah wow. <laughs> so th- they they and, and there's a lot of push right now uh you know legislative wise trying to get uh, some some corrective action done on that double brokering but uh you know it well, happens it's
2: been, it's been frowned upon more in the last i guess eight or ten years than it ever has because see when it comes right down to it uh, in my opinion, and here again, folks, this is just my opinion. You know, if, if you've had, you know, you may be somebody that came into it and you've made a million dollars in the last four or five years. And, and I mean, God bless you and good for you, but I've seen a lot of the shitty side, you know, myself, the crooked side, the unscrupulous side, not as much in the last several years it got, especially 10 years ago and back. I mean, it just, everything was, you know, cutthroat. But to get to the point on the double brokering, you know, that has went on for years. They used to have, you know, this gimmick called the blind shipment, and most of that was double brokering. And they've also got this thing in the last eight or ten years, as they call third-party logistics, which is just (laughs) basically a fancy term. For well, this is getting double brokered and we can't you know handle all this and you know everything's you know I was gonna have that glen of you know being shady and blah blah blah.
1: right and third party logistics, you bet they teach they teach courses on third party logistics. it's a it's a complete fleece, hundred percent. you got guys well, that have no no well, equipment overhead, no skin in the game, and basically what they're doing is looking for people that will haul that load because they need to get to wherever that load goes. And they, call, they used to call it, and they still do, well, that's your backhaul. So, I mean, I actually had people tell me that's your fuel money. You know, so I'd haul a oh, load yeah. out of Wisconsin, dairy products in a reefer trailer. You know, this is back in the late 90s, early early aughts. And I'd haul a load down to Arkansas or Oklahoma or something, and it'd pay pretty good. You know, a couple bucks a mile back then. And then they'd want you to go uh, load chicken. You know at a tyson plant for a dollar ten a mile back to chicago and i'm like you know, i blow a tire on that load and i owe you well, money you know
2: they knew that you was needing to go back that way they that's knew I, I, I
1: needed to get back towards wisconsin so that's why they say it. and i said well i can buy all the fuel i need to in wisconsin so i'm not going to haul something for for fuel money so what happened with me back then and why i got out of the reefer business is because i wouldn't haul it my my pride is just way too big and i i would eat the whole rate you know so i'd wind up if i had a 250 a mile load i actually did it for a buck and a quarter because i'd come back empty before i'd haul your chickens for a buck ten but so uh,
2: that, that's one of the reasons i just
0: why. realized i'm muted <laughs> no, yeah, you were mj true. was trying to explain to me back hauling earlier and we didn't uh get to talk for much longer because he he broke up on me but no i understand that because my uh my neighbor that was a truck driver back when i was a teen he used to talk about that, like I got to run this other load. I don't make no money on it, but that's my gas money. And I'm right, like, but
1: you're, but you yeah. so that backhaul to you. But what if you know? So my backhaul out of Arkansas. What if you live in Arkansas? That's somebody else's front haul. So right. They're hauling yeah. that same load for like double the money because that's their front haul. And I no, I didn't like that one bit. Oh, so, that's a
0: predatory thing. Hey, let's yeah. get let's get onto the actual topic, man. We're damn, we're blowing through the time right now. Holy crap. Oh. Uh, yeah. but, so anyway, let me let me uh, break it down real quick for layman's terms. So what we got going on here, uh, I think everyone gets the the point of how they've uh, the trucking industry has changed, and this actually comes from the deregulation of the trucking industry. Believe it
1: or not, the back nineteen in, ni- early nineteen eighty, it was the yeah, Surface exactly. Transportation uh, Deregulation Act, I believe. And yeah. then
0: what,
2: Wall Street. What, what <laughs> me, <what laughs> me add something to that, Jason. Well, oh, go, go ahead, go ahead, Harley. Not all brokers are crooks. Not all brokers is going to treat you unfairly. And also, when when freight rates are, you know, pushing, you know, skyrocketing the way that they have, a few, you know, it just happens every once in a while, folks. It's not every time you turn around. But it goes up. And when, when freight rates when the bottom goes dropping out of them, even the good and the decent brokers, they're not getting enough. Out of the, you know, their customers to be able to pay anybody a decent rate in a lot of cases. I just want to, you know, throw that out. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's the heart but of the problem.
0: That, that's so the heart of the me problem, Harlan. The,
2: deregulation. the, so the, the heart, deregulation. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. The deregulation. Okay. I wasn't around in trucking during quote regulation i have you know over the times especially there used to be books written on it and i've uh, you know looked over and everything to be flat out honest with you the actual deregulating of it even though i'll admit you know looking back at it and looking through it it was to open everything up for the cutthroat rape rob no responsibility you know corporate
0: uh corporate greed
2: plantation sharecropping you know mentality but they could have put a couple safeguards in there and it would have made everything great that's the problem you know what it looked like to me when you know i used to hear this especially the first four or five six years i was in the truck and all these guys that started in the in the 60s and the 70s that was all the time talking about, oh, regulation was this and that. Well, what's the problem was you just couldn't go anywhere. You know, you, nope. the, whatever you was working for had to had the lane on it. And, you know, and people was out so here.
1: What, and, exactly. You know, just, Ill- well,
0: they knowledge. set the rates too. They so se- back they
1: if, you know, backing rates, up they a little out. bit in order. To, you know, I just told you, like, if you want to be a, a true owner operator and get your own authority, Back prior to the deregulation, you had to go to a public interest hearing in front of the ICC, the Interstate Commerce Commission, and prove that you had a customer uh, that needed your services. So you, had to de- you had to demonstrate a public need. And so that was, that was a barrier to entry. So you, didn't, you wouldn't have all these wildcatters you know, back then. But well, the like company my... guys made a lot better money. I mean, you know, truckers back then used to go get their, they used to get their clothes dry cleaned. I mean, it was, it was a, a pretty esteemed job in the sixties and seventies and stuff. I wasn't driving then. My, 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 my stepfather was, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Harlan. I'm but sorry.
2: I wanna point, but I want to point out, you know, when, all that, when it was, you know, quote regulated and these lanes and all that stuff, The problem with that was that puts you as, you know, the driver, and they used to be a lot more owner-operators than what they was drivers, you know, anyway. Well, here you was running around here having to kiss everybody's ass. I get it, boss. You know, I haul this load of shit from, you know, this place to a shitty place, to a dangerous place, to an ignorant place, somewhere that, you know, me personally, you know, I wouldn't have made it back in because there's a lot of places I wouldn't have went to. You know what I mean? But – I just want to put that in there. The problem, in my opinion, when they quote deregulated it, all they'd had to done was still put a few minimums and a few safeguards in there, and it would have been a lot better off. Is this wide open? I, you know, I used to call it re regulation instead of deregulation because everything was, you know, regulated against the driver and the small company is right. about what it looked like to me. Well uh, to,
0: right. to jump into to the topic of concern here. Um, uh yeah, when they deregulated it, that was great for owner operators because they were told that they had certain routes and there were cert- set rates and there's certain things you can haul, and um it made it very difficult for an owner operator. So they, they deregulated that was great for owner operators, but then you got all these Wall Street. Uh, junkies out there that just have a bunch of money that know nothing about the industry that jump in. And it wasn't really uh, that big of a problem, honestly, from the research I did because that took up maybe 3% of the market share of hauling, but now we're up to anywhere from 30 to 60%. And that's where my major concern is right now. That's what I wanted to talk about tonight is you have these people um, and and you have these companies going down left and right right now because, and and I'm going to drive it back to fuel costs. Right, fuel costs and overregulation of vehicles with all this crap. This, uh, you know, how many miles you can run, how fast you got to have speed limiters, you got to have all this this crap on here. Uh, I think an owner operator has a little more leeway to do what they want to do, but I'm seeing trucks right now at a snail's race up a hill because they can't go one mile over the speed limit on the downhill, and especially here and and MJ knows this. Maybe you know this, Harlan. Forty four down through the Ozarks, you got oh, some pretty steep grades. Yeah, I, know. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I used would to drive, drive a five ton. I drove a five ton, uh, a five ton uh, truck. Uh, that was my, my truck when I was in the army uh, here stationed at Leonardwood. I used to have to drive it to um, what do you call it to, uh, in Kansas, Fort Riley. We we do that all the time, and these guys would slow down to like sixty mile an hour on the downhill, and I'm like, please move out the way, and then now I'm going literally fifteen miles an hour up the hill.
2: Well, because well, and then well, I got cars well,
0: whipping around me. It's causing a danger uh, to traffic. So I know that's kind of off topic, but the point was that um, it doesn't make profitable sense for the investors anymore. So these companies, these that have taken up such a large market share of the trucking industry of shipping things to and from point A and point B, um, they're going to start closing their doors. Now, that's good for owner-operators to get in, but you still have those those uh, you know laws with the uh, how much insurance you got to carry and all this other stuff, all these regulations and the tests you got to take. So there's still a huge barrier to entry for those folks. So when that gap is created, when these companies just say, ah, well, I was only in it for the money and I'm done now and the investors can go screw themselves and they walk away, now you have a lot of people out of work that own like a bobtail truck right. That can't get no work. Um, and, and then the, the bottom line is that the stuff that you want to come to your house or to your Walmart or to your Walgreens, it's going to be severely inflated. I think a lot of it has to do with energy costs. Uh, I wanted to talk about that a little bit about how the energy cost has has affected, um, uh, you know, shipping from, from a driver standpoint and then also what's going to happen when the, you know, the, uh, was the BRICS nations when they decided to do their own thing. And then the U S dollar is no longer the reserve currency and our oil, well, because we've depleted, we've depleted our strategic oil reserves. And that was always the buffer to keep things from going too sideways. Right. Well,
1: and that's, that's, that's a
0: that great out. point. Yeah. I was, point. Gonna, I was just
1: going to, I was just going to say, you know, the trucking has been full of boom and bust cycles for as long as there's been trucks, I think, but I think, you know, what we're seeing now uh, with the convergence of high fuel, high regulation, and frankly market overcapacity, there's too many there's too many trucks for the available loads. And if the overall economy slows down, uh, then you're going to start to see some of that capacity weed out. But maybe not enough. You just had the CEO of Warner uh, basically lamenting and complaining that not enough of the small guys were going out of business fast enough. You know, he thought that the high wow. fuel and and uh, the post-pandemic uh, lulls in the freight market would take out a lot of these. And so, yeah, the CEO of Warner was basically like wishing that you know the little guys like us would uh, would die off faster.
2: She's but she's hard.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, Warner's one of the one of the worst offenders for you know having a having a factory uh, you know cycle the rookies in, cycle them out. Um, they've had a couple of major major accidents where they've been on the hook for some nuclear verdicts, you know forty fifty million dollar wrongful death cases against them.
2: Well, um, they can spend some of that money if they've screwed these drivers out of, all of
1: them. You bet you bet you bet you know I, so,
2: you something else they can they 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 can also spend some of that money that they've set back and you know over the years and just played the blame the driver gimmick. And a lot of accidents were it, yeah, we'll pay a little bit out, but we're going to run this driver. you know what I mean
1: right and uh, well i was I was explaining to uh to Jason uh, earlier and to uh, everybody listening that you know it's it's not unusual in the uh truckload carrier segment of the market to have a hundred percent driver turnover, so I mean the, these big companies already know that they're going to have two three different drivers in that truck over over the course of a year. They're going to train somebody he's going to wash out,' You're going to train somebody else, maybe he does okay for a little while. He becomes a trainer, you know six months experience, and now he's the driver trainer, and then he's training somebody that also washes out, but they're see, all the while they're still moving for eight. and if you know of course you don't stay exactly. with them long enough, they get you they get you for you know you got to pay him back for your training and all that kind of stuff so
2: back when I first got into it, this here's the way that it worked folks. If they could get somebody, they kept a lot of these bigger, they call them mega carriers. You Warners, you Snyders, and, you know, stuff like it. And I'm not saying some of these places not got better over years, But it was basically bring somebody in, and if they trained, if they got 20 out the door in the truck by themselves, back when I first started driving a truck, you was at, you know, the, the local yard for about 11 days. You went out for trainer for a week or two. And you know, you left there. and, You know, it was that that old gimmick of last week. I couldn't even spell truck driver. Now I is one. <laughs> I <Right. laughs> wasn't no six months holding your damn hand, or you know, nothing. That, well, they wasn't for a man. You know, if he was a woman, yeah, they they'd keep him for four, or six months, and they couldn't drive, and you know. Hey, I
0: got a, I, I hate to jump in, but I got I got a couple of questions I want to throw from the chat. Uh, first off, uh, narrowway way, ministries, which is Levi. We know him as Levi. He asked a question. I have no idea what this means. Maybe you guys would know, uh, how did yellow's freight capitulation affect y'all if any? And then tiger Angry tiger. What's up? Angry tiger.
1: Um, hey tiger.
0: Yeah. He says they want to centralize everything. And I talked to tiger today about that. And that's where I see this going. I see that the prices of things are going to go extremely high. Um, uh, people who are owner operators and do their own little side hustle thing, uh, trying to do it themselves are going to get pushed out of the market. So yeah, you got these, uh, these folks kind of closing shop. Um, it's going to make the prices, everything go high. It's probably going to be good for a little while, but then it's going to collapse back down. And I think it's going to be, uh, not central what do you call it uh yeah like uh consolidated that's the word consolidated we're, or yeah consolidate. well, yellow
1: yellow was one of the few remaining uh ltl less than truckload carriers that was still in the teamsters uh you know there's not really? very many yeah there's not very many trucking no. companies left that are still in the union uh, i'm sure harlan can echo yeah. that but you've got you've got uh some parts of ups not all anymore because ups broke up some of their union Uh, They sold some of it to T Force or something, I think, which is non union now. But some of those guys are still union. Yellow had, I think, 30,000 union drivers or something like that. And uh, those were good jobs. You know, I mean, a guy could, you know, uh, go out and work and send his kid to college and maybe take a vacation every now and then, you know, on a job like that. And it's unfortunate uh, that that happened. But. Uh, I haven't seen any difference. You know, if anything, I would think that, that what Yellow's not doing is going to be picked up by carriers that are going to haul it for cheaper, not for not for more. I think it's going to go the other way. I mean, you're because you don't have the union uh, scale wages uh, that you would have. You know, Yellow would haul something. You know, that's it's kind of there's not enough time in the conversation to get into like freight classes and how LTL compares to truckload, but. Yellow was, you know, a lot of that stuff was pretty expensive freight. And when I say LTL, Jason, that means less than truckload. That means the truck is hauling, you know, picking up from customers that are shipping less than a whole trailer. And then what they do is they consolidate five or six shipments, let's say, to make one truckload. And then you have five or six drops going to a certain destination. That's what Yellow did. And and unfortunately, a lot of those companies, uh, Roadway was one that went out of business here, I think, a long time ago, or got acquired by somebody...
2: Well, what it was, uh, Yala got Roadway and USF Holland and a few other companies kind of like all at once. Exactly. In the, I believe it was the late 2000s when they done all that. And one of the biggest things that that I think that hurt Yala, a lot of people, you know, was, was loves to jump on the wages and stuff and, you know, push that. But when that when they bought out these other companies, well, in a lot of cases, um, like, for example, I think somebody said Cincinnati still had, like, the old roadway yard right next door to the yellow yard, and they wouldn't consolidate this.
1: Right. Uh, right. A lot Preston of used- was one. Used to have consolidated freightways. They call them cornflakes uh, in, uh, in power lines of the trucker. Um, Yeah. yeah. No, and
2: Conway so, and you know, they're, Conway, they're, exactly. a Conway, you know, they had started a non-union company and then Conway winded up selling out to, um,
1: uh, shit. Oh, Expo, uh, Expo, yes. XPO Logistics. Yeah. yeah. yeah another, log- anytime, listen, this is something, uh, food for thought what, what, for anybody what, that we, wants we, to become a trucker. Yeah. If you see the word logistics yeah. in something, run the other way. All right. Yeah. Anytime they anytime they say logistics, that means cheap. That means that means that means you're going to get screwed. you what logistics means. You know
2: that means professional. Screw you to say it. Yes. Yeah. When That's you the hear way lo- we do it, you know you should pretty much have already heard enough.
1: You know. Yep. Yep. When you, when you when I, I I treat that word logistics like I do the words uh, green or sustainability or smart. Yeah. You know. It's, when you hear speaking guys, of that.
0: I want to we're 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 already the hour that's I can't believe how fast that hour went and we only got into the first topic um uh I wanted to give shout outs and then I want to get on to you mentioned the green thing and I before we get out of here I do want to talk about that because me and MJ talked about it I talked about it a little bit with angry today on the phone but uh uh, Angus is in there what's up Angus Chris Graves the Mastodona research pigeon verse two which is doc what's up doc uh levi's in there that's Narrowway Narrowgate ministries um he, you answered his question with the yellow thing which i un- never understood why they have an orange thing that says yellow because it always confused me but uh who else do we got karen carpenter was in there what's up karen of course angry tiger was in there little john's in there what's up little john uh lord Raul, he came in and popped out i seen him popped out earlier uh i know i'm missing somebody who am i missing who am i missing somebody tell me a syrian girl i think i've seen a syrian girl Did I see a syrian? Oh, yes. yep the syrian girl's in there nice. and there's one more risha there she is risha m what's up risha i think that's everybody if i missed you i'm sorry um send me a hate meal i will i will take it and i'll feel bad but
2: Hello, everybody i can't see the chat because i'm doing this on my phone yeah
0: i know one. you and i and I, I applaud both you guys for doing this on your phones um, it's kind of cool, it's like a call in show, kind of. Uh, it's kind of neat, but yeah,
1: uh, no,
0: 100%. Yeah, we, I think we can go on all day about owner operating stuff. Um, I, I think the point was, and I didn't even link the article up and read it verbatim. Uh, to paraphrase, so you got people that came in after deregulation, they came in with their big Wall Street money, they started their companies, they started saying, Hey, if you own a truck, um, you know you you can uh we'll lease you out to haul this and they're kind of bidding for the best you know who can haul this and that and the other and uh they're not necessarily a, a freight company as they are a an opportunity company. Say, so, okay these people need this from point a to point b i can link up point uh the people who need the stuff shipped with the guy who can ship it and then i'll take my slice off the top and you know i think that's kind of where this came from and it used to not be a big deal. Because it was like 3% of the market share, but now it's such a huge percent of the market share that since costs are rising and things like you got uh, heavy regulation on vehicles, you got uh, insurance. uh, The cost of vehicles, number one, just the cost of a new vehicle, geez, or to get it repaired and the maintenance, uh, the insurance, it's not profitable for them no more. And that's going to hit us all.
1: covid brought in the uh you know the x factor or whatever i mean because rates went purport you know disproportionately sky high i mean if you had a, a flatbed or something you couldn't swing a stick without finding a four or five dollar a mile load and now all of a sudden those loads are down to 250 or so you know and, and how many people like bought that,
0: into so. a how many people bought into a truck that are eighty thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars into a truck
1: right now way more than that i mean yeah if you if you buy anything close to new, it's, it's you're pushing oh, two hundred or more. Yeah, you're, and, I, and see, and that's going to cause the problem.
0: The well, that's going to cause the problem because you got people that are like, "Well, I know I'm not going to make that much money, but I'll do it for dirt cheap," and that's putting these brokerage people out of business because they you know
1: there's two like, ways, there's there's two ways to lose money. You can go, you can go broke sitting, or you can go bo- broke working your ass off. Yeah. I'd rather go broke sitting.
2: I <laughs> go you know, broke the house, but I want to put, point out a couple of things of what you just mentioned.
0: Go, go ahead, Harlan. I want to hear your two cents on it, man.
2: Okay. What well, what's happened with a lot of these? Okay, like you know, the guy was talking about you know Warner, CEO and everything. And in the last five or six months, I've seen a few of these guys. They can't help but you know tell you. You know what I mean? Especially if you're setting out some or another. And and the subject, you know, Trump comes up, you know, and you're just like, well, you know, I I just ain't a fan, you know. He just you lost more than you gained. He lied a lot. This, oh well, you know, well, I got this one and a half percent load for a hundred thousand dollars, and I went and put money down about three more trucks. So you know, basically, what's happening a lot here is, is it's kind of like back in the two thousands that. You had these guys run out here when everybody's, you know, um, house values exploded. They mm-hmm. went out here, and basically hopped their house for everything. get, Then they run down here and bought a truck, which back in, there's a lot of people could go borrow an extra hundred grand on their house and go buy a new truck. Well, these new trucks now, in the last, they have came down, like I was telling Jason earlier, and I don't care to do this again next week or some other time. We could get into, you know, a little bit more stuff. I'm just hitting the high spots here. But that basically kept another group of suckers going for another, you know, two or three years until the trucks go to where? Well, what the problem is nowadays, see back here about a year and a half ago to get a new truck of any kind, something you could use, not no big fancy KW or, you know, long nose Peterbilt or something like that. You was looking at 75, 80,000 down $36,800 thirty six, eight hundred a month plus, you know, your insurance, and even if you lease to somebody, you're gonna to have to have your full coverage, your physical damage, you know, on bobtail insurance, but you know, hell that's probably you know, another another four or five hundred.
0: And you better have ten grand liquid cash to be able to fuel it, you know. You <laughs> well have, you if you're fueling it.
2: But basically if you're leased to somebody. Yes, and and like leasing to somebody, the, the place I work for is been a been great to me. If I'd really been wanting another truck, this year's worth that, You know, I should have, you know, got one. But, you know, I kind of feel like I got more behind me than I got in front of me. And I may again, but I just don't know. But what my point is on far as like, you know, these trucks and everything, you've got a lot of people out here now that got these, you know, PPE loans and the, the damn, um, uh, you know, COVID money. And they're still kind of riding high on that. So they can sustain. And it's not just in trucking, hits in a little bit of everything. If it wasn't for that, you know, this economy would be in flames. You think it sucks yep. now? It would be really bad. And nobody wants to talk about that. Every once in a while, you hear somebody, you know, mention something to do with it in <laughs> But that is basically. What's kept a lot of this going, in my opinion, from what that I've saw and what that I've gathered, and you know, I've like I seen a guy here probably about two months ago, said he got a hundred six thousand dollar loan at one and a half percent, and said his payments was like six hundred dollars a month. But what were the problems going to be? Is these guys that went out here, and they bought like three trucks that's used. Okay. And then on top of that, you know, they turn around and see a lot of these, you know, especially these so called, you know, owner operators and these small companies used to owner operators, some of the best you could work for. And you smile four, or five, 10 truck companies. But what's it's turned into nowadays, you know, they want to suck all the money off of it and they don't want to think about fixing that truck repairing it maintaining it keeping it up and that's always been a problem in trucking and they got 14 girlfriends or their wife needs a hundred thousand dollar you know escalade hits you know what i'm saying hit
1: if you stopped. don't know how to work on that truck you know you well, go to a peter kenworth shop or a freightliner well, shop right now you're paying north of 200 dollars an hour for well labor. yeah
0: i was talking to tiger about this earlier um I tried to get him on tonight. Like I said, he was, he's uh, he got a lot going on. Um, but I want to talk to him about, cause he's on the repair side of things. And I know he, maybe he doesn't work on the big rigs, but I mean, you're repairing cars, you're repairing cars, you know what the lead time is on parts, you know, um, the availability. I know I went through it during COVID. Uh, I couldn't get brake lines for my wife's truck. I had to pay a low. Thank God. I knew a local Christian guy that had his own shop. He had like, uh, I think it's like three of them that own it or something but they had the equipment to make their own brake lines. So they had to right. custom make me a set of GM brake lines for my Sierra, my Oh six Sierra, um, which actually are better than the OEM replacements. But they said that there was none available because everything was being used for the COVID effort. A- and the price was astronomical. If I did have any and the lead time, I'm you're talking, Oh, you might be waiting six months. You might be waiting eight months. You might be waiting a year. And that's, what's going to be happening when we see these, uh, uh, To get back onto kind of the point, if these uh, leasing places go down, you have all these guys that that were leasing that have, you know, the bobtail stuff, but they don't have a trailer and maybe they don't have the contacts to start going to the full on owner operator. Okay. And they can't just go working, driving for somebody else because they have that, like Harlan says, that huge note on them to pay for that truck or two trucks or three trucks. Uh, I think we're going to see a real problem escalate as far as getting stuff to maintain the trucks getting toilet paper to your house getting food to your grocery store because nobody's going to be able to afford to run that freight and, and, and that mechanism is that has sucked off up so much of the market is going to collapse because they just can't make money on it no more
2: it'll recover eventually on. i think
0: but when, on
2: the uh, is like if you've been driving for 10 or 15 years and you've got, which you know sometimes you have to shop around, but and you know, you, you don't have a driving record, you know, as long as you leg or anything. The insurance is a lot cheaper than somebody that just, you know, went over here and got their authority, started them some kind of company, you know, they're crushing it, you know, like all the catching on the reels and the shorts on YouTube and they're doing big things. Okay, them insurance companies they know them gimmicks, you know what I'm saying? You know, they're sitting here saying these people's high risk. They'll take chances. They don't know, you know, a lot about, you know, what's going on. And that's the reason why the insurance is 20 grand. He, You know, he was talking about 20 grand. I know the guy four or five years ago with a reefer, he was 24 grand. Wow. The highest my insurance ever was, was like nine thousand or something. You know, that's the highest yeah, I
1: mean, ever. I got a quote for you know, I, I was thinking about for just a little while, uh, well, I had a momentary lapse of uh reason, but uh just a little while I was thinking about getting my own authority and I got a quote and uh it was like forty eight hundred bucks. So I mean that's doable, you know. That's so that's not gonna keep you out from getting your own authority. Um, uh, but you know, twenty twenty thousand or more, thirty thousand or whatever. Well, I don't I don't see how you could do it.
0: Let let me share real quick uh I wanted to share the story with my, my wife's cousin. And they haul, what they did was, um, now she used to own two dump trucks and they ran local around here. Uh, they used to run up on base when they're doing a lot of construction hauling gravel. So that was a, that was a pretty steady gig, you know, but then when the army's done constructing, what do you do with your dumps? Right. So she sold her dumps and then they ended up buying a used truck. Like I think Harlan was talking about getting a used truck or whatever that turned out to be a disaster. Um, the engine blew up on it. On, on a haul because uh, they're owner operators. They, they did the full on thing. Uh, they weren't doing the wide loads at the time. They were just running regular freight. But uh, anyway, they had to basically spend a crap load of money. I don't know, 17, 18 grand or some crap like that out of pocket to repair that engine. So they could sell that truck. So they wouldn't be underwater on it and at least just get rid of it. And then they bought a new truck, which put them in the hole. So they went ahead and did the full-on authority thing where they they do the uh windmill blades
1: and that's hot you know i got it i just got to interject something you know i mean i i get it everybody's got their own unique situation but those over-dimensional uh loads and stuff like that that's all real high dollar i mean i don't know exactly how much i mean there's a lot of money in that and generally speaking um you got some overhead because you got to get your permits you got to buy your escort you know pay your escort vehicles and that and whatnot But I think generally speaking, you know, on a per mile basis, that's a a pretty lucrative deal. Oh, it's it's
0: ridiculous. Situation is. Yeah. MJ, we're talking
1: four or five dollars a mile. I mean, I think those guys are talking 20, 30, 40 dollars a mile to move. something Like that. So they
0: they get paid. But but this is the point I wanted to make, especially when we're getting back to the main point of the topic, which is if these uh, these brokerage people go go under and it leaves all these lease folks like hanging in the breeze with their truck payments. What are they going to do? Um, well, yeah, you can go do this. You can do an owner-operator, but just to give you their story, and I wish I had Grace on with me because she could tell you all about it. She'd go on for hours about it. So, yeah, they're getting paid ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of money, but it's on them because they're owner-operators. The chase truck alone, $1 million liability policy. The truck itself that they haul with, uh, the tractor, $2 million policy. Uh, I forget the ridiculous deductible if they have to draw on that or whatever, but here's the kicker with that. Yes, they get paid a ton, of ton of money to haul one of them blades, maybe five, six hundred miles. But you understand, you're not just driving five, six hundred miles. There is so much coordination that has to happen with the highway patrol and all this. You know what bridges you can go under and can't go. It takes them forever. Uh, only certain times a day they can travel on certain roads. It the coordination you can't drive is just, at
1: night, generally speaking. Yeah, and, you can't you drive know, at night. Yeah,
0: it's it's ridiculous. And then on top of that, they've got to pay uh, a lead car. A chase car the person in the chase car has to be competent enough to actually steer the back of that trailer because it's on a remote control because it's a articulating kind of not articulating but the whole back end of that trailer is on its own
2: steering it's it's got to be steered
0: it's a a football field Arlen. it is a football field legitimately a (laughs) football field and and here's the other kicker so those blades uh and that just happens to be for their what they're hauling Those blades come in a set of three. They're balanced, specifically balanced. They're numbered. I don't know if they're serial numbered or marked or whatever, but those three blades have to be together on the same wind turbine put on the right spot. And if they're hauling, they have to have two other people that also are coordinating to haul. Then they get there. Once they get there, if it's raining and they had this problem a lot last year in Texas, that's where they're hauling was down in Texas. If they had a lot of rain because these wind turbines are way out in the middle of a field, they can't get their trucks out there to, to offload them. So they're sitting there sometimes a week or two and they're yeah. paying, they're paying their staff that they hired their chase truck and their lead truck. They're paying for their hotel rooms. um, So yeah, they're making ridiculous sums of money, but you're taking that liability on for every cost involved. And um, at the end of the day, of, you
2: know, you yeah, got to have it, some left over and, and it's just like trading horses. If you make a killing, right. And that's what I'm saying It's if, if, if this crashes out,
0: if this freight brokerage thing crashes out, which is like what it's looking like is going to happen. And it's probably going to be a temporary thing. But these these folks that have these trucks and stuff are not going to be able to do what they think they can do. They're not going to have any work. Um, they're either going to lose their trucks and go broke or they're going to try to do the owner operator thing. And they're going to find out that they're not making money, and we're going to have a shortage. I think we're going to have a shortage of, of of line hauling in this country, which means that you're not going to have the products you need in the store, which is going to drive the products up. And then we, you know, throw onto that shrink inflate, uh, shrinkflation and inflation. Um, I don't know. It's scary to me. MJ sent me this stuff, and I said this is because they've got such a big market share in the stuff we use, the toothpaste, the the you know the ink pens, uh, the pads of paper everything we use on a daily basis could grind to a halt literally overnight. Uh, just alarming. Well, I think,
1: you know, I mean, but on the other side of that, what balances that out is all of the, uh, you know, basically I call it the gold rush or whatever of trucking is that all of the newcomers uh, or not even just the newcomers, the companies that expanded their fleet size because of the uh, of exorbitant rates that you had during COVID, a lot of that's going to even out. So, Right now, the problem with rates is overcapacity. And then, you know, this is how a free market corrects itself, right? Supply and demand. If you got too much supply, uh, then, you know, then the price falls down. But then you lose some of the supply, the demand goes up, and then the price goes back up. And that's how it's supposed to work anyway. Well, The, the, problem, the problem, is, problem is they put their thumb on that scale. And so you don't always have, you know, you don't always have an equal playing field on that. You know, when and, you and go the back and we talk like... about the foreign labor, you know
0: the problem I'm seeing with the price going up and down as far as supply versus demand, when you're talking about the demand for um, line hauling uh, yeah, the demand could be there. If these companies go out, it's going to make a huge demand for, for truck drivers to go do their own thing. But we still have one, like you said, the thumb on the scale is the cost of energy. And that was supposed to be our next thing was the cost of energy is going to set that. And it's going to be prohibitive, uh, prohibitively, uh, prohibitively expensive for these guys who are leasing that maybe don't have a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank to
1: Well the guys the guys out? that don't the guys that are hauling for you know uh, haul it and take all you know with no set fuel surcharge that's where they're going to get hurt if you have a fuel okay. surcharge that's based on the it's called the energy information index I think or something something like that but it basically tracks the average price of fuel and then your fuel surcharge goes up accordingly so if the price of fuel goes uh, up uh, 15
2: uh, what, cents let me you know, if your rent goes up from a thousand to fifteen hundred, with just like when you go in and ask for a raise, you know, that they're not really going to do much on that fuel surcharge until they have to. Just like they're not going to give anybody a raise, you know, at most of these jobs until they have to.
1: That's well, that's the, the that advantage happens. of that's the advantage of being a contract caller, uh, leasing to a company that's under a contract with a shipper. Versus working off the spot market. So because you on the spot market, you don't have a, a fuel surcharge that's going to go along with that. You see what I'm saying? Whereas like oh, I right don't now,
2: what you, you, you can say, you know, that well fuel you know, like here, it's jumped up. It went down and that's jumped up like 50 cents, you know, here in the last couple of days. You know, they can be saying, you know, well, I'm paying thirty five hundred on this load. And you're like, no, I, I can't do it for that. And they say, how much? And I want $4,000. They can laugh at you and hang the phone it, too. It's according on how bad they made it moved. I'm, I know mm-hmm. you know that. I want to explain that to everybody else.
0: And, 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 and eventually, eventually it, that's what I'm trying to get at, Harlan, is it, it's going to get to that point uh, with energy costs that people are going to have to ask that higher premium to move that load. And that cost is going to eventually go down to the consumer. And that's my concern. It
2: for, already has. Oh, going to the oh yeah, oh yeah, I'll definitely has. Because see, what happens with a lot of the, these brokerages now, like here were that you know you kind of had a collapse in freight prices, it's a little bit different. But on but in normal times, what happens is the broker is like telling you know the shipper oh my god, this fuels one up, and they're you know asking for this and that, mm. and. They might not give you $25 when they got 500 more on that load if they don't run it in the other direction. Because in a lot of cases, they will pour mouth you to death. You know, these are unscrupulous problems.
1: We I'm talked not about that, that. Harlan, we talked about that earlier where the under the truth in leasing regulations, you as the hauler of the freight have a right to see the original freight bill. However... When you, make, uh, when you sign up or you, you, know, you sign whatever it is you sign, the contract you sign to haul for a broker, usually there's language in that contract that waives your right to see the final freight bill. How much is the guy that's shipping the freight paying? How much is the guy that's billing him? And you have a right to see that as the trucker. But if you sign that away in the contract, then they won't let you haul for them if you don't sign that, so you don't know how much that fuel surcharge is. So the broker might be getting five hundred and telling you that the fuel on the is three hundred, and he's keeping the two hundred dollar difference on top of his ten percent or whatever he's telling you that he's making. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't know.
2: Uh, in layman's term, folks, it's like we supposed to have a first, second, fourth, you know, ten amendments for a bill of rights, and how in the fuck's that working out for? You? Right. Work. That's the translation. Hey, I got an
0: off-topic. An off topic question, uh, just to kind of lighten things up. Tiger had a question. We all love Angry Tiger, man.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> By the way, Audi
0: Audi, uh, modern retro, uh, modern retro radio, Audi jumped in. Um, and he left us a tip. Thank you, Audi. Appreciate that. Um, we're gonna play your commercial before we get out of here, but uh, I'm gonna throw it on the screen. I love this question. It seems weird, but they, they have a conversation going on in the chat that's pretty interesting. Do you think the the horses like you like a dog uh, do you think horses like you like a dog does do they like being ridden i don't mean that anything weird by that we're talking about trucks we're talking about horsepower so i thought this is an awesome question so
1: so i guess i'm confused what's the question what's the question again
0: oh do horses uh do i don't know
1: (laughs) if, if the horse if the horse has been broke then it, I suppose it doesn't mind being ridden, but okay. uh, you know I don't know much about horses
0: but, well I mean but, uh, uh, I think it is like a dog kind of loves you unconditionally um but then the horse you know like you said if it's broken you ride the horse it loves to be ridden it just it, it wants that attention um not
2: sure what that has to do it, with it's it's
1: gonna it's gonna well, protest well, that at first of course you know but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah you know.
2: You know, it's the the way I kind of look at that. I I used to hear that question, you know, some years ago when I used to feel horses is, you you know, a good horse is like a good employee. If, you know, if the horse feels like that he's been treated, you know, fine, well, he's going to go along with everything. If the horse don't want to work, he ain't going to go along with nothing no matter what. He just, you know, feed you know oh, I mean? knew
0: Harlan would make so, that question make sense to me. I knew yeah,
2: <laughs> me. you know, basically, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, horses are like If You know, if they want to do it and they, they feel like they do, or they've been beat down into submission to do it, that's the way it works. You know, if I, they've I, not been beat down into submission to do it and then like done it, well, you know.
1: I have a funny anecdote that I'll just add to that, but it won't be too long of a tangent, but uh, I used to haul horses uh, back in the day, and we would load out of the Joplin sale barn in Joplin, Missouri. You familiar with that, Jason? I know where thats. And, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> one day, I don't know if somebody was just doing it to play a joke or what it was. And I was just a young young fellow I just started driving within the last few years, but somebody put a donkey in with the horses. And I was trying to load those horses and, 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 uh, get the donkey, you know, I was trying to call the donkey out of the horses and I just could not do it. That donkey had run the horses in the trailer and I'd run them back out. Cause the donkey would be in there and I just couldn't do it. Finally, I just loaded the donkey and left <laughs> and he went with, he went with the horses, but yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's funny that somebody asked that.
0: Yeah. That was tiger, angry tiger. Awesome. Um, yeah harlan made it make sense yeah uh if they ride you hard you don't mind being ridden hard as long as you're taken care of you know? right uh,
1: well you know you look at people that you know uh back in the you know back in the days when you rode horses and places you know you you'd feed your horse before you feed yourself because oh, otherwise yeah, you're not your... you're not getting out of there you know you know a
0: good farmer does that too a good farmer takes care of his implements and his tractors and stuff uh you know before they pay themselves they as does a good trucker it.
1: Yeah. As does a good truck. And that's, I think or... that's
0: what, uh, you know, Harley was talking about any Johnny come lately, you know, went and grabbed a truck that could get a loan in their house. They, they didn't know anything about it. They didn't have a family right. history into it and they didn't take care of their trucks, which is probably why my, my wife's cousin, uh, got a crappy truck that the engine right. blew up on. You know, they had it. Well, like
2: what a... happens is, you know, two things are so expensive nowadays, especially like where did I work at? He tries to trade trucks every two or three years. Uh, just because you just the downtime for one, and most of all our loads are long loads, you know, cross country. And you know, you get hung up in these shops and they're sitting here, you know, like back in 2020, I had a truck that had a couple radiator problems. And i tell you why it had more. The first and the radiator had almost 800,000 miles on It's one of them deals, it has been a good. Well, the shop didn't put it back in right, the new one, and then that caused another problem. Then right. when we took it back to that shop, same thing, then they finally put one in. I mean, you're sitting there talking about six grand and you know, three days.
0: Oh, and not just that, Harlan. When you're talking about that truck as your lifeline and your money, um, even if the shop was to own up to the fact they made a mistake, you're still not being able to haul freight for, you know, a week or whatever. Uh, that's money out of your pocket. Yeah, that that what I mean,
2: through. that's the that's the downtime. Hey, you know, yeah. it's just like I'll give you another example. I own an operator here, um, and then I know his driver. He uh they got in like five new trucks, a different brand from what I'm driving. It broke down before he got twenty miles. He didn't even get twenty miles up the road. I mean he had like thirty some or sixty some miles on
0: it. Did it have oil in it?
2: Was, yes that truck stayed messed up for months Wow! brand new truck 220 some thousand and the guy was having one problem you know after another like this truck that i'm driving it had a couple it's only you know uh, i've only had to put it actually you know put it in a shop out on the road one time and i had a, a def pump but one more thing i want to point out here before we go a lot of trucking companies, where if it's owner operators, where if it's big companies, I think you know most everybody can agree with this. Had a lot of this EPA stuff crammed down their throat. That actually started back under Bill Clinton, and then it was in stages up through the 2000s. And some. I think we were talking
1: about that, Harlan, before you joined us. Uh, yeah. I mentioned but, that but in but 2007.
2: Well, it uh, actually started, you know, before that. But I just just want to ma- mention one thing. What's basically happened is so, every they kind of put it where people can understand it. Uh, not a, and see, the pickups didn't even have to do this when they first passed these laws, and then they got sucked into it. But most people can understand what a catalytic converter is on a car.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Diesels didn't have that until they started in 2008. Okay. And they put them on there, and, you know, they just dreamed up whatever. OK, basically from probably 2008 to probably 14 or 15 with, with these Detroits, seemed like they've done the best. And Detroit used to be the scourge. You know, I mean, it was like you was talking about a 305 Chevrolet or something. But now they're the best engine that there is. But what that added is, you know, most people can grasp the concept. I've got a I've got an engine. I've got a transmission. And that's the two biggest things that can tear up. Well, they put this DPF filter on there, then not only do you have that filter, but you have all these sensors and everything that can go wrong with it. And you add in specific down- specific right.
1: catalytic reduction, EGR, yeah, all that yeah. stuff
2: well,
1: we were know, talking about that's why I have a glider. That's why I bought a glider, and I don't mess with any of that emission stuff, and so well, yeah that's uh,
2: look at the gliders I, I, I'll tell you my opinion on the glider.
1: I looked not at not a Fitzgerald them. glider. <laughs>
2: just, exactly. Just, just point, point of fact, not right. a Fitzgerald glider. No. Absolutely. I looked at those gliders. I know somebody bought one. And the last big truck that I bought in 2014. This guy just bought one, a, a Peter built basically 140 some thousand, put about thirty grand down, and come to find out he basically had a six month what in my opinion—I don't want to get sued—but in my opinion, it looked like it had about a six-month worth of warranty on it. And the rest of it was like a buy here, pay here car lot. Right. And so, what I done? I bought a uh, 07 that with a fresh rebuilt Platinum Cat engine in it, and um, you know, the wind could blow two mile an hour, and he'd get three and a half miles a gallon. He's pulling a van, but anyway, I more or less got. The a better motor, a factory rebuilt, and a rebuilt transmission for about half the money. That's, and that's the I reason was, why I don't have a, have a lot of you know problems. But
1: that's what I was, I, telling, buy... I was telling Jason that before you came on. That when I bought my glider, I made sure that it had a factory remanufactured engine. Came it's still under warranty, in fact, as we speak, it's got a 300,000 mile warranty. I still got 50,000 or so to go on it. Um, what, what but it, you, they you treat it just the same as my... a regular factory engine.
2: The only ones I ever seen worth fooling with was the factory Freightliner Coronatus
1: that had to, yep, that's, that's <laughs> exactly what I have with a series 60. Oh, I have a D deck four series 60. There's no EGR. There's no SC. There's no nothing. It's a, it's a regular 14 liter series 60 Detroit. Got a factory remanufactured engine in it with an 18 speed road ranger. And, uh, it's been a beautiful truck can't but complain one, one bit
2: that that i have to point out here basically between it actually started in the early 2000s but especially from 2008 for probably seven or eight years all these companies are about on the truck you was basically out here guinea pigging so they could figure out how to make this stuff work detroit in my opinion has done better caterpillar they quit making engines. They just said no way. Acer. Acer
1: was their last. Was their and last. Was, the last time they messed with it. Two
2: thousand five. And I had that. Yeah.
1: That was yeah. a twin turbo uh, Acer. Yeah, the Acer. Oh, yeah. yeah
2: they... Talk about a piece of junk. And and what I love is too is you know, and and I've got to throw this out here. I I have owned several diesel pickups. I love these born again. Twelve valve Cummins people. He's born again seven three power stroke people. The born again you know twelve liter um, Detroits and all these born again people. And then see over you had this born again the worst out of all these people. The ones that bit the propaganda the most, ran it in the ground, was the born again six N Z Caterpillar lover. That, man, they thought that thing was just the best thing since sliced bread. And what I never could understand about all these born-again gimmicks. Okay, the 3406 Cat was a great engine. That 6NZ bridge motor, I had one of them when it was new. And it was never what they was letting on like it was. No, I'm
1: familiar with that. I had a C15, but there was a 3406E. So... That's uh, a different. Electric.
2: That thirty four oh six E was a totally different motor. But those that come out in 03s threes and 04s, fours, I'm a telling you the last Detroits was as good or better engine than they was, and they got better fuel mileage.
1: And that's what like, I have right now. Exactly. 100%. 100%. But you that, have
2: all these guys running around here, six N Z Cat, blah blah blah, eight mile a gallon. Oh shit! You know nah. because just like. With the 12 valve Cummins and the seven three power strokes, they wouldn't want they was letting on like they was when they was new. you know, let alone, you know, either they you know had all these miles on them had been pieced back together. And like what uh, you're saying, the factory that's the reason why the guys that bought the factory rebuilt Detroits and didn't buy the gimmick of the glider. That's the reason why they're still out here going up and down the road with little to no problem, and anything can happen. And you've got these other places that just spray painted the engine and cleaned it off, and exactly. basically, you know, one exactly. hold it, two hold it, put a couple, you know. I've heard some horror stories, you
1: know. From oh some yeah, of these. as as have I, I, uh, that, that
0: might have been what happened to my uh, my wife's cousin with the one because they got an older pickup. Um, that uh, I don't know that it was the original engine, but it didn't last long. But hey, we I need suspect. to we need to get up out of here soon. Uh, I'm gonna roll. I got I got one more thing to uh, before we close up with our final thoughts. Um, I do want to kind of leave something in y'all's brain, and we might have to do a part two on this.
1: I would uh, love to. You let me know. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: I got. I want to tap your brain. Let me roll this commercial for our friend Audi. Uh, we've been trying to to promote each other lately. We don't make no money on this or nothing. You know, we just promote each other. Uh, like good friends do so i'm gonna roll this commercial um you know if you're out there in trucker world listening and your video is starting to buffer you throw it on to some audio uh it's less bandwidth right here you go new music classic artists. that's how we do it here at modern retro radio
2: Lenny Kravitz
1: has just released his 11th studio album.
2: Here is the ever-enduring pop genius, Beck. Giving you the latest from Sheryl Crow. Lindsay Buckingham. Marilyn Manson. This is Garbage, song called Blood for Poppies. Robert Cray,
0: he's channeling Al Green.
2: Better known as Shaka
0: Brand new music from Parliament Funkadelic. Back in the 1980s and 1990s, we knew him as Terrence Trent Darby. This is Taylor Dane.
2: You know, you know that group Foo uh,
1: Fighters? I, I'm vaguely familiar with them, yeah.
2: The new album from Slash, Phil Collins, covers the four tops.
1: Metallica's 2016 double album, Hardwired to
0: Self-Destruct. Here we got Aerosmith with Beyond Beautiful. all right we're back and uh that's great
1: that's great i i'm gonna be checking that out because that's uh i love all that music just about
0: oh man i'm (laughs) telling you right now uh i i actually throw that on when i'm doing show prep now um every time i used to listen to it occasionally but um it's good for the road too because uh driving across country sometimes you if you're looking i know a lot of people got serious xm now you know so they're good but if you're listening to like regular AM or FM, then every so often you got to like find a new station. Pretty sure truckers have their favorites programmed in if they know they're route. But um, I don't. I like it. It doesn't use a lot of bandwidth and it doesn't buffer.
1: So no, and I good. sometimes I just got to check out of of all the uh, the doom and the gloom. You know. Uh, oh hell yeah! I mean, I I love being informed. I love the topics that Guard and and David Knight and uh, you know several others that I listen to talk about sometimes i'm just like man i can't take anymore i gotta i gotta just you know check out and uh you know to, to throw something on like that where somebody else uh is curating the music you know because what i do well, now that's is just go through my own music and and that's fine but it's uh you know well, to that's have somebody the thing. else do that it's great
0: uh, mj i've got a hundred gigs of music that me and my friends overseas we swapped we swapped our cds and I was like, I don't have time to go through all that hundred gigs of hundred gigs of CDs at one twenty eight, uh, you know, quality is that's a lot of music, that's and I'm not going to go through and and I don't want to hear the same crap I've heard a million times. I want to hear something good by the same person. That's kind of what he does for you, so it's nice. Um, that's
1: great. You know, you yeah, can pick up some of the B sides that you otherwise wouldn't, uh, you yeah. know, hear about. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, and
0: it's a lot of yeah. the stuff that they're they've done recently that maybe isn't you don't know about you know and so. this
1: is uh so i refresh you know i i, I should just ask the question is this a uh, subscription um no, model or is it
0: uh no it's I'll free it's to... an internet radio station that you just uh you' just streaming on your phone you know that's it
1: and uh there's uh what's what's the business i mean there's advertisements or uh i don't know you'd have to
0: ask, it's it's a labor of love is what audi tells me yeah. Expensive well, I'm, I'm
1: familiar with Audi. I see him in the chat, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, hats off to him for uh, for doing this. I'll certainly check it out because uh, more He's and more lately, them. more and more lately, I just, uh, I just, I got to, I got I to gotta take some time and, and not listen to, uh, you know, the apocalypse is coming and it's America yeah. 2.0 and, and uh, no, <laughs> no offense to Don Jeffries, uh, you know, but sometimes I just got to, I got to, I got to have something that's, uh, maybe, you know, not going to put me in a bad mood. Oh, we got to unplug,
0: man. We got to unplug yeah. from it. Yep. Yeah. I uh, was going to say something. What's up, Hardim?
2: I, I was just going to say that, you know, every time I've uh, heard Audi on the, any of these shows, he's always got good stuff to say. And, you know, a lot of times he'll say things that, you know, that rings to me that, well, he knows what he's talking about. He's seen a lot of the same stuff that I've seen.
0: Yeah, he's right. he's a smart guy and he's he's been he's older than me. You wouldn't tell by looking at him. I I got the uh it's the, it's the mileage on me, you know. It's not the years, it's the mileage.
2: Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you mean yes. right. But
0: hey, I I I don't I did not want to cut cut us off um but we're already uh getting close to on 2 hours almost <laughs> okay, yeah so hour so hour happened. and
1: 40 and uh I knew that would happen. I'm yeah, so I figured that's, that's kind of who I am. <laughs> I'm just kind of, hey, let like me, to, um, I like to talk
0: before we drop final thoughts. i want to give everyone a chance for final thoughts. And I guess the, the topic was, uh, I guess the future um, with, within light of, of what's happening with these freight brokerage companies, looking like they're going to start um, falling like dominoes. Uh, where does that leave us? And what does that mean to the consumer? Um, and then also next time we do this again i want to do this again i wanted to get into and we i knew we wouldn't even get into it man but uh i wanted to look at how the ev stuff uh, what they're trying to push with ev trucking how that's going to affect it and then if the another kind of way out their topic um and i love truckers because truckers know how to communicate um hand signals light flashing uh, I mean, I know how to do the thing where you say, okay, it's safe to get over in front of me now. You know, we you, you turn your lights on and off and stuff like that. I was taught If that you is... know
1: that, you got one step ahead of 70% of the truckers out. Or I That's say, I won't hearing. say truckers. Yeah. I'm going to say CDL drivers. There's a difference between a trucker and a CDL Man,
2: driver. Holders. <laughs>
1: all, truckers, you know, all truckers have CDLs, but certainly not all CDL holders are truckers. You know, Harlan's hey, you a trucker. It. You can tell by hey, but... listening to him, he's a trucker.
2: <laughs> but but you you got to remember one thing, you know a, a buddy of mine, uh, he was about fifty when he first started driving, and I'd already been driving for, you know about nine years, and he used to tell me all the time. He used to say, "Well, everybody can't be born with a steering wheel in their hand like you." And, you know, I I had, uh, you know, them certain years where, you know, everybody's like, well, you ain't drove 20 years, you ain't did this. But what he's basically talking about, folks, is you've got more people now than ever that's just slipped and fell. You know, into it, you've got so many of these. And I want to make this here clear, and I don't care who it pisses off, you've got on any side of this, you have had so many, Of these foreigners that have been brought in, a lot of them as damn indentured servants, you know, they're not being paid that well, and probably would be my guess. They're just being used Mm -hmm. uh, to put it nicely. It's not even a guess. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, my, my uh
0: my wife's cousin was talking to me about that last night and i, I had no idea that that was even going on until she it's not even
1: a guess no night. it's it's h h1b or h2b visas they're, they're bringing them in big companies are doing it you've got companies that do nothing so they don't even know how to read our recreative. signs
0: they can't no. even read our road signs no. but they're operating
1: no. a they don't know anything point. and in fact and the dmv will give them a cdl test in their own language but yes, but and despite you know what, that, right if you, right you look right in, in the, the federal law. regulations, if you look in the FMCSR, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety the, the Regulations, it required. clearly says in there that you have to be able to read, speak, and understand the English language sufficient to understand signs and communicate with law enforcement. That's almost I am a never driving quote.
0: my motorcycle on the highway ever, ever again.
1: I've been yeah, riding motorcycles only, 40 years, and I won't get on the interstate anymore. Yeah. No way.
2: But it's, it's <laughs> only second, that, that requirement, you know, if you get the FMCSA manual, and I don't know it like the Bible or nothing, but if you look in it for qualifications, the, the first one is to be 21 years of age. And I know there's pilot programs to go under that in interstate, but we're, we're talking about in real life reality. We ain't talking about some offshoot. And you know, to kind of finish that point up, you've got folks that's come in, there was a big wreck out at Denver a couple of years ago, yep. poor guy got life in prison, and they was a big outrage over it. A lot of truck drivers was well, he should have done his pre-trip, he should have done this, and it was his fault. Look, man, this guy right here is fresh off the boat, been driving three months. They've been a lot of regular Americans been in that same situation. To where they're out there in a piece of junk trying to make a dollar. And here, this guy did, you know, knew a lot less than the average. You know, where a lot of people nowadays, they ain't going to drive stuff like that that don't have any brakes on them. But you don't go from having legal brakes to none at all. In a few miles, I've been up and down that road, and in my opinion, he didn't burn his brakes off in a couple of miles. Most of it, he was flying down through there for several miles before he even got to them people. But that that's was, uh, that was on the
1: other side of the Eisenhower Tunnel, I think. On I seventy, yeah. there was like seven people. I
0: know there. where that is. I've driven mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. yeah. But
2: there, there was video showing more that he was running past the runoff ramps, and and I mean, thank God that. You know, there was some people kind of pointed that out, and they shut shut it down, you know, the company that he was with. But at first, it was all about him. And I'm not sitting here, you know, there's plenty of these drivers out here idiots. I'm not going to say they ain't. I mean, look, I ain't a cop. I ain't a nurse. I'm not simping and sucking ass for nobody. You know, the truth's the truth. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and justify for, you know, people that does wrong just because they got a CDL. But I just want everybody to know, in my opinion, you know, you've got a lot of these foreigners are just basically being used. You know, it gets down to my capitalism and my corporate plantation, you right. know, and we need somebody to hold that steering wheel.
1: Right. And, and this is my point of contention. Of my point of contention, you know, and, 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 and listen, I'll just say this right out. I love guards. Uh, But the one place that, you know, we diverge is on our theory about immigration and division of labor and things like that. Because I've seen what foreign labor has done to the trucking business. And we're not talking about just, uh, you know, well, this guy can haul it cheaper, so then you can, you're free to go and do something else and and make more money and do this. Because you're talking about public safety and and, and, and and public safety has taken a back seat.
2: Because I pulled out and I may lose you guys. The SEEKs, I'm not really talking about them because, you know, especially the ones out of California, they've got a pretty good grasp on everything. What I'm mainly talking about is these smaller companies that, you know, they get somebody in here. And I mean, I've seen more like what you're saying about some of these bigger companies start to get them in on these visas. But a lot of these guys, they're bringing them in, then they get out of here, they get pulled over or something, and they're, you know, half the cops is feeling sorry for them because they can't communicate, you know, or whatever, and as long as they ain't killing nobody, well, there you go. And I'm not saying and, some of them ain't getting, you know, tickets, but I'm I'm just saying in general.
1: No, listen to, the, you know, even though that's in the regs about being able to speak the English language, the, uh, the CVSA, the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, which is in charge of, uh, you know, the standards for inspections, they've specifically told troopers, inspectors, right, DOT inspectors or state troopers uh, not to uh, not to cite anybody for for an English language violation, you know, not to make that determination. So if they got to use flashcards to communicate with them, then they'll do that and they might write them up for a, a chafe break line but they're not going to write them up for not being able to speak English because, you know, for all the woke reasons that that the rest of society is is teetering and, on, and the you got to think
0: to yourself, you know, um, when it comes to being able to read uh, signs and stuff like that, which I know a lot of people don't read signs and maps and things anymore, um, but that's kind of important. I mean, we all had to do it to get a license, and be no, but if, if you had. But yeah. you need
1: to be able, like the you know the example that Harlan pointed out is you know uh, in one mile there's an escape ramp. You know if you right, anybody yeah. that's driven in yeah. the mountains knows I've seen him, is they the go straight ramp is. It's a yeah. goes straight, go straight up and it's a big sand pit. You know. Or well, and there's also
0: pit. there's Speaking also out. especially if you're handling. Um, and I don't know if these guys can get on doing the uh, hazmat or not. But I, I was a hazmat certifier for the army for some time. And you better learn. You better know not just how to read English. But how to index things and find things because you got to be able to get to that uh, the ESG and the MSDS. you need to be and able
1: to look at the table. You need to be yeah, able to write a, yeah. a material safety data sheet. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. You need and to be able to understand that stuff. What class? What division? Is what this you can? Haul with what? Yep. what can but be? Hey, uh, with what? Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Let me get us out of here. Uh, this this could go on forever, and I know you guys have work to do. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, next appreciate time, you I, inviting I, us. Oh, this was great. We'll we'll do this count, again. Count sure. count
1: me to come back on whenever you want.
0: Are you down <laughs> for that, Harlan? To come on with MJ? Yeah. And maybe. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, maybe. We will set this up for I don't know in a couple of weeks from now or so. Yeah.
1: Hundred percent. No, I mean it's always on Thursday, right, Jason?
0: Yeah, always on Thursday for this show. But yeah. I mean,
1: anytime I'm I'm always you know I'm always available and I'm I'm usually like trying to you know I'm I'm checking the Nights of the Storm website all the time and seeing you know who's got a show on what night because. Nice. Uh, again, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't own a TV. So this is, this is how I, uh, you know, not only work, but also relax. I mean, I, you know, listen to you guys and, uh, and I mean, I everybody, that, that, when man. you called, when you called out the chat, it was like, you know, basically calling out a bunch of old friends. Cause I know every single name that you, that you called out, I don't always get to talk in the chat. And so I always feel guilty about that. Cause I'll say, you that know, Hey everybody wife. or whatever, but, but I'm driving, and I can't be looking at that chat and driving. You know, that's just a no no. Yeah. So.
0: and I do have to say hi to Tom. Tom's in the chat. He came in a little later, so I wanted to acknowledge him. So,
1: hey Tom. So, hey Tom.
0: <laughs> yeah, but next Finally. time, uh, sorry. Next next time, I want to talk about. Um, maybe we'll get a little bit more into fuel costs. We'll see what goes on. Uh, you know, with the Love strategic it. oil running down. But I want to talk about how the EV thing might affect the trucking industry, and then also communications. Like I was saying before the commercial communications the became... thing to
1: look about yeah communications because exactly mm-hmm. that's going to be a problem for for you guys for me you know because when they censor you they censor me when they censor david knight they're censoring me because that's what i want to listen to so you know i don't just look at that as a uh you know a one-sided issue that they're censoring me as well, well
0: so now to be like a trucker is gonna have like a ham radio in his truck he's gonna their truckers are gonna figure out how to do it because they have to communicate. If you're a good, uh, not a CDL, but a trucker, I think this. A trucker, is a hard, all truckers trucker. will
1: have a CB, but you won't. You know, you. But, uh, well, but
2: I'm not a trucker because I give up on the CB years ago. Go
1: ahead. Oh no, you got to have a CB. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, oh, you yeah. you got to have a CB. Yeah. But it's, fact, uh,
2: I used to be, you know, all into that. You know, I mean, I've had you know big radios that when you key them down, the damn lights would dim. You know, I had a CB ever since I I was a kid, way before I got into trucking. But it just that just the stupidity. It's like social media on the radio that it's talking to you as you read it. I just I had to give up. You know, I just said I I think a lot of people are.
1: I think a lot of people are like that. I'm just I'm I'm so I'm such you know I'm a luddite and I'm old school. And uh, for me not to have a CB be like driving without any clothes on. You know, I just, I got to have a CB. And that's not completely e- off e- the e- table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even though I'll tell you, sometimes I'll go a week without hearing anybody uh, talking that's close, you know. Uh, but CB's got a lot of shortcomings. It's not it's not going to be our communication for, for reliable, you know, interstate uh, dialogue, you know. CB, no, I'm just talking it...
0: about uh, everyday people, what they can learn from truckers as far as how to communicate. N- not, not even necessarily verbally, non-verbally, right. you know. Um, oh, we, we're gonna have to figure that out. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So. Hand signals, lights. Uh, back in the mm-hmm. day before CBs, the guys, you know, and before interstates, when you'd still be running two lanes, the guys would have all kinds of signals. You know, mm-hmm. the guy had his sunglasses on and his hat on sideways. It meant one thing, and, you know, or whatever, right? Like they had all sorts of, uh, all sorts of different. Well, lights, everybody so.
0: knows flashing your headlights means there's a cop.
2: Exactly. Uh, that came from exactly. Or oh, there's something else going out
1: exactly there's there's a reason why and you know i'll tell you though you know the one time i didn't have a cb is the one time i uh back in 1990 or 91 i had a small fender bender because traffic was stopped in front of me it was a it was a snowstorm you couldn't see you know i was only going 20 or something but i didn't have a cb and all of a sudden you know 10 feet in front of me there's traffic stopped all over and wasn't much you could do but um you know fortunately it was a real minor real minor fender bender but you know, I think it's important because no matter what you get on your on your GPS or on your Waze or whatever it is you're using for, well, to find out road conditions, it's not going to be right. near as instantaneous as, hey, you know, uh, brake check well, ahead, tough, you know. That
0: stuff will be down anyway. So I'm right. talking about like in the event of an EMP, some of these older legacy systems will survive if they weren't powered up during the EMP. They will survive because it's more robust, more thicker. Um, uh, what is it? The 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 I'm
2: circuit and uh, stuff. Exactly. You know, we want, we want a ham radio. You know, you, you yeah. want to get and, and this is uh, this is something quick. I have one here in the truck with me. You want to get one uh that's basically the the kind that you know that would that police would use that will scan That way if something bad happens, I I still have a CB. It's it's more or less it's a ham radio, but I just don't have it here in the truck with me. But I do have a handheld that's got several channels programmed into it, but you want one – I think it's called a – it starts with a H. It's hung Fing It's from China, but it's the kind that you can get an adapter and you can program a bunch of different channels in, and you can also get on the internet. But in the case of an EMP, that's not gonna, you know, help you any. But you want something where you can scan that if something other ever really bad happened. and, and you know, folks, don't be out here messing with the cops because in this day and time, they can't. They could triangulate shit forty years ago but mm-hmm. they're going to be able to find you if you're on their kin up messing with them. i tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, you might get by with it once or twice, but when you make a habit, up, they're going to find you and they're going to burn your ass. And that would be fed But I, anyway, I got- I'm just saying, if you, if you get one of those, you might or look into that, Jason, I can give you the model number of mine, you know, the next time, but I just, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into all that, of, man. We'll
0: you know, something
2: real bad, you know,
0: I do want to share one story I I got uh, with everybody before we get out of here about communication and CB radio. So I was in a little Toyota MR2, a 1985 MR2. It had like a Corolla engine in it or something, but it was really good. Power to weight ratio was really good. And uh, I was going through down 70, same corridor you're talking about, goes to Colorado, then Utah. And I was pretty much at the high point. I had no clue my first time down there. And I ran out of gas, you know, I passed Aspen, I passed Vale and I'm like, I'm not paying this price for gas here. And that's back when gas was like two and a half dollars a gallon. And I said, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, But I I passed them up and didn't realize there wasn't nothing for hundreds of miles after that. Nothing. Just ranch road, ranch road, ranch. They didn't have names for the exits. It was just like (laughs) ranch road. So I'm sitting here riding forever with my fuel light on. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I ain't seen it sound in like forever. I've been driving all night. So I get to this rest area and I pull up in there and, and, uh, I got, I had a blanket with me and I covered up and I'm sitting there and it's winter time, by the way. And I cover up and I'm and then it gets cold. And then I turn on my, my car for a little bit to get the heater running. And I did that all night long turn it on for three or four minutes, turn it off. And I had my CB because uh, me and my my buddies in St. Louis, uh, Louis used to run around being stupid and talking on CBs to each other uh, to outrun the cops, you know. But <laughs> and and yes, they can't triangulate you pretty quick. So uh, anyway, so I was calling on there, and the thing is, out there, nobody drives a gasoline vehicle. Everyone has a diesel. Everybody. Yeah. So nobody was paying attention. I think one guy came on middle of the night. Uh, Uh, He was like, hey, nobody out here got no gas. You know, they're all diesel. Well, early the next morning, I'm running the car again. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm screwed. And uh, this trucker comes on and says, hey, is that four wheeler still out there? I said, yeah, I'm still out here. He's like, you ain't going to find no gas out here, man. He's like, but it's all downhill to the next town. 32 miles. I coasted. 32 freaking miles. I had to start the car twice. I had to start the car twice to up. <laughs> but that information that that trucker had, and the fact that I could communicate with that trucker saved me from freezing to death. You That's know, a, just, a great
1: story. No, yeah. I can't. Because I mean, you Salinas. mentioned it in you mentioned it on a text message, and I just thought, you know, you got a hold of somebody, and he brought him some gas or something. I didn't realize. That no, no, it you involved about... you limping at thirty miles to the next you station. Hurry?
0: <laughs> I, I I looked at it. You can look it up on on Google Maps. You can find the last, uh, and I think it's Salinas. I think is the name of the town. Um, I think it's Salinas it, along seventy, just yeah. getting over the mountains into Utah. Uh, Well, you're already pretty well into Utah, but um, before it kind of flattens out a little bit, and I think it was Salinas. I'll have to look that up, but I plotted it on Google Maps. I found the rest area, and it's exactly like I remember it being. Um, Not much there except a place to park for a little while and a bathroom, and then the town wasn't that big. It was like a couple gas stations, and that was it. And I see I most truckers
1: won't run that way, even if you gotta go all the way. It's smarter to go up to 80 and go across than it is to try to run that yeah. 70 across
2: there. In uh, fact, that used go down to
0: Oh, that's a dangerous road. And there's a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of areas that you have to use the side, like you can't go through the tunnel or whatever. You have to use right. the really dangerous side road. yeah um, it's a beautiful trip though. I if you're in a
1: if you're uh, if you're not in a semi and you yeah. you know you're, the brow of your forehead's not all beaded up with sweat because you're, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know. well there was you talked right,
1: about the yeah.
2: runaway ramps
1: those right, well, runaway whatever ramps are like whatever it miles. is yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah no I mean but you're you're a lot better off running up to Cheyenne going across eighty than you are messing with that seventy it's, down there it's I think Carlin would about, with that oh, <laughs> well, uh,
0: and seeing the the dust from the snow blowing off the top of a, a rocky peak. And at yeah. the same time, you look over the edge and you see a railroad track going down by a river, uh, just amazing. Uh, it's yeah, absolutely amazing.
2: Well, well, let me give you my opinion on that over through there, real quick. I drove there <laughs> about four or five times last year, and I really loved the place I'm working for. And I just told my dispatcher, I said, "Look." I said, man, you know what? I said, I said my attitude is going to really change. I said, another trip or two over here. And when frank kind of got down, you know, uh, back here several months ago, you know, I mean, I said, look, you know, I mean, if we have to. I said, I understand that. I said, but I just don't want to make a regular trip where you've got to go all the way over to Grand Junction. Then you got to backtrack. And, you know, there's other ways you can go, but. That's really the best way to go because if you go down and go across 50 and out through, it's it's worse than that and it's longer. But yeah, it's it's good to see. But you know, there's a lot of these places that's fine if you're in a car, but in a truck, it's a a different story. I wouldn't wouldn't
0: drive anything with air brakes on that. I wouldn't, (laughs) nothing with air brakes. Well, that
2: ain't that big a deal. If if you know what you've done and you know you've got decent brakes, you know, to start with, it's the, the story I mentioned earlier. I believe that guy he did he sure he probably didn't I could just about ninety eight percent guarantee he didn't have the mountain experience and he didn't have the the equipment wasn't in good shape to start
1: with. No, yeah. he was out of Texas and he'd only been driving for six months. I think the guy was like twenty two or something and been driving for maybe like six three. months or something. I thought he just drove
2: for about three or something, and, you know. And it was old. I mean, you can tell the truck was old. Hell, ain't made a century class freight liner. And I mean, you know, twelve years or something. You oh, a long about time, three. yeah. yeah. And, and that's yeah, what well, I right. was saying earlier, too, to where these, you know, you got some of these guys run out here and they'll buy junk and they put suckers in there. That's the reason why the, the oil field the gimmicks and the haul in the sand and you get the nobody don't want to work. And, well, ain't nobody wants to drive a pile of junk and get screwed out of their money. You know, right. that's what a lot of that is. Not saying, all, oh, but, you know, that was my experience. And from the looks of the stuff I see online, some of that's still going up.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right, gentlemen,
0: a, we've been going for two hours here. I need two to get hours,
1: here. yeah. yeah two no, I'm hours, sorry bro. about the uh No, that the, was great. Uh, it's,
0: it's been great. Uh, right?
1: Unanticipated uh encore <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah, oh, no, yeah. I've uh, I've um, loved this. I could yeah, I could talk to both of fun. you for another three hours. But, all but right, no, well, I understand I'm go ahead we'll say and... uh, we'll save something for a part two.
0: Um yeah, well so let me give you uh, final closing thoughts, last thoughts. Uh MJ, you go first, and then we'll go with Harlan.
1: Well, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not the current uh, freight turmoil is is part of the typical uh, ups and downs, boom and bust, feast and famine uh, periods that trucking's had for years, or whether or not this is part of a larger economic problem that relates back to energy availability, fuel availability, cost, yep. um, and all those things. So I think, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. There's a lot of different uh, aspects and factors uh, that are going to depend but I think no matter what happens um, the prices of the stuff that you buy are going to go up and uh, whether or not the small guy is the benefactor of those price increases or whether or not it's big companies and uh, parasites uh, third-party logistics that are the uh, the beneficiaries of of that is going to be uh, something to be determined and I'll uh, I'll leave it with that
0: excellent absolutely well one thing's for certain is that the consumer will end up paying it no matter who benefits the consumer will pay for it and that's what alarms me, without a
1: doubt yeah
0: all right harlan what do you got brother
2: well uh first of all you know i'd I'd like to say that uh, you know i'm a total believer you know here in the last you know couple three years really even before that that anything to jack a price up it's you know any excuse we're basically living like oil was back in the, the middle of 2000s. You know, any, any reason to raise prices, you know, that's that's going to happen. As um, far as these brokers, I think a lot of them is getting weeded out. The ones that was just, you know, jumping on uh, things when it was hot. and There was a lot of freight. You know, it's just basically looks like, to me, it's a correction. And, you know, people didn't want to have a soft landing, so now they're going to have a hard landing. I'm surprised that stuff is not went down any uh, further than what it is. You know, I I agree with him that, you know, there definitely been a lot of overcapacity in the last year or so because of just the booming freight of everybody catching up, you know, after COVID. You had a lot of people that was buying a lot of things up. And, you know, now stuff is coming back down to reality. And also the inflation, and this is something, you know, Tiger – what could definitely point out that the inflation in general is catching up with folks, people's credit cards are getting maxed out and people's not buying as much as what they was, even, you know, food and things from the looks of stuff. When you really start, you know, go looking around, you're always going to have an, uh, you know, eternal cheerleaders and anything. But I think, you know, a lot of it is going to shake out long as, you know, we don't get in a world war three, you know, situation but we'll talk more about it, you know, in a couple of weeks and be able to get more into it. And we'll see what goes on between now and then with the fuel prices.
0: Yeah. And, and then inflation is super, super critical. Um, Like I pointed out many times, I was pointing this out during COVID even. um, And Gerald, Gerald Salenti talks about (laughs) the, uh, uh, was it commercial real estate market? Um, I'm looking at, you know, the private real estate market. And Yeah, they did. They they put everybody out of work. Everybody floated their bills on credit cards. They super paid. They paid more for stuff because now instead of just going to the grocery store and buying stuff, I mean, it's short shortage anyway. Uh, they're doing Grubhub and DoorDash and they're paying that elevated that premium fee. And they floated that crap on their credit cards. Credit cards could be, you know, 18, 19 percent interest. You know, if you don't pay it off in that grace period or whatever. Uh, so now they got maxed out credit cards, and now, and, but they have a home they've been paying on for 10 years that may be locked in at a 3% interest rate, but they're paying like almost 20% on their credit cards. So what do you do? Well, let's jack they're up Paying more
1: than that. I just got to say, I mean, yeah, I've I'm, seen
0: I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of like average number conservative. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen as high <laughs> yeah.
1: as 28 to 30 because it's above the, yeah. uh, you know, they go above the LIBAR or the, uh, the prime rate or whatever. So uh, yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: Well, yeah. I, and then and then the, the used car market, uh, everything's so much more expensive. So people are super, super in debt and they're looking at their options. They're like, okay, uh, I've got a $1,200 a month mortgage payment. And it's a three and a half four 4% interest rate or whatever. You know, that's a fair, you know, if they have kind of moderate credit. Uh,
2: Very if, few of those left. Yeah, right. Two and three grand to go
0: in. Yeah, yeah. That. But uh, that's under that, you know, whatever they got in at 10 years ago. Um, but then I have this, you know, huge amounts of debt at twenty percent or close to it. Let me refinance my home to pay down this high interest debt. Oh, oh but now I lose. No, that's four, a terrible yeah, idea. Yeah, well, I lose my four percent interest, and I'm paying eight percent interest. But right. it's better than paying twenty percent of my credit card. You see how that works? They they no, made absolutely, but, broke. On but purpose. you never
1: you never take unsecured debt and make it into secured debt. In other words, the credit cards aren't. Are, they that. have limited. They have limited collection options, so you can still, you know, in most places and in most instances, I think you can still keep your home and 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 go full Chapter Seven bankruptcy. And so well, the bank, you know, the
0: bank wanted to get you in at a higher interest rate, uh, right? They did, and they did that on purpose, and then they also want you to be on the front end of a loan because the front end of a loan, you're paying more to the interest and less to the principal. So Way if you paid your house off for ten years, let's say it's a twenty or thirty year loan. You know, within the ten-year mark, you're starting to be, you know, close to half and half, where a lot of that money is actually going to the house. They don't want you there; they want to put you back on the front end, and then they're going to take that house from you. So you may have paid that house completely off in interest. After twenty years, you may have paid enough interest that that was the cost of the home, and they could still take the home from you. So I'm going off on a tangent. I got to get us. Yeah. All (laughs)
1: right, guys. It was great, great, Harlan. It was uh, great to meet you and great great to talk to you. Uh, uh, I'll look for you in the chat. I'm on on Rumble. I'm way cool Snoopy. So uh, I'm going to be looking for you on Saturday. Did I lose you guys?
0: No, you're still here. you, yeah, you there, Harlan? Let us know where to find up. you, brother.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can hear him. Yeah, you
2: can find me on Facebook if you want to see somebody bitching about Trump and these slimy conservatives. and I bitch about the Democrats every once in a while, but I'm, I'm usually yeah. on the, the slimy you, You'll, so never, you'll
1: never see me on social media. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is as social as I get, guys. <laughs> Harlan. no, nope.
2: I'm on Twitter, too, at Real Harlan, but I'm not you, on there at much.
0: Harlan, no, you never, made it through an entire two hours without saying Orange Jesus.
2: Uh, just after hey, make America gag again. Vote for Orange Jesus in twenty twenty. Orange <laughs> Jesus, absolutely. Oh, you're so
0: much fun, man. All right, hey, let's let me get us out of here. Uh, hey, folks, I, I want to appreciate everybody in the chat. Um, really funny chat tonight. I was reading some of the comments, and uh, yeah, good good stuff. Chris is in there just cracking everybody up. Um, and uh, anyway. I guess that does it for tonight. Remember to hold your ground, watch the enemy, improve the foxhole, always look out for one another and avoid the rumble strips. Until next time. I love you guys. You've been watching the foxhole with Jason Barker.